This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. G. Giuseppe back in on the left wing. Drops to Miller. Left circle. High shot. He scores. JT Miller rips it off the crossbar and in from the top of the left circle. And the Canucks have the lead back with 152 left in the second. It's 3-2. Pedersen delays inside the line. Long shot. Tip. They score. Ilya Mikheyev in the slot with a beautiful backhand deflection while his back was facing the net. And the Canucks build on their lead. It's 4-2. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Miller wins a clean lead of Pedersen in the slot. He scores! Beautiful passing play right off the draw. Miller to Hughes to Pedersen into the net. The Canucks strike on the power play immediately to make it 5-2. All it took was two seconds for Elias Pedersen to strike. And he regains the lead in NHL scoring. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks torch the Ottawa Senators in the third period, staying red hot on the season. A nine-game point streak, a 5-2 victory over the Sens, and this is the Canucks Central post-game show on the home of Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network, Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. We are going to get to Randy Janda, who called the game alongside Brendan Batchelor in just a moment. Keep getting your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650, and we will take your phone calls as well, 604-280-0650. Now, this Canucks team, Bick, I... I mean, at any turn, you think, okay, at some point, maybe another team will win a game or perhaps, you know, put the Canucks in some distress and look like for parts of this game, the Canucks were in some distress, but they just kept coming back, kept retaking the lead in that third period for, we can talk about the the first 40 and where the Canucks lack tonight Mm -hmm. and we'll get to that and everything. We can talk about, you know, what Ottawa did well against Vancouver, but what a professional closeout of that game in the third period gave Ottawa next to nothing, a few shots, but no real scoring chances of note. They score a couple of goals late in the game, just salt that away as well. And don't get, give Ottawa a sniff. And I know Ottawa's, Probably a bit fatigued in the third, second of a back-to-back. But that was a real nice, professional way of closing that game out. That was a snatch-your-soul yeah. <laughs> type third period. Yeah. That's what they did. Uh, just grinded them to to dust. And yeah, yeah the Sens got uh, 12, 13 shots in that final frame. 13, or sorry, 12 shots in that final frame. I, like We said this thing, same thing on, on uh, Saturday last week. Didn't even take a note in the third period. Like they are showing that they can salt away games really yes. well. And tonight was even more impressive than what we saw on Saturday. Yeah, it was. I think where they were lacking most was maybe generating more offense. Not a lot of shots on goal was a final tally. For I, I'm just talking about the third period. No, 100%. Like, I, I agree. I agree with her. I'm just saying in general, like it's a game they didn't generate a ton. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the one thing you quibble with. But how they closed the game out, very strong performance in the third period for another win for this Canucks team. Let's bring in Randy Janda into the conversation. And I mean, Randy, I mean, we're running out of ways to describe this run the Canucks were on. But how would you describe the way they took over control in that third? Boys, uh, you know I love boxing. Bick knows that as well. I I come with my boxing analogies. But this was a 12-round fight, but round nine... Uh, the Canucks started to figure it out, and they, they settled in for the final you know, three, four championship rounds to say, okay, we got this under control. It, yeah, halfway through, at the, you know, it was a little bit of, a little dicey there where Ottawa is bringing it. You look at that second period, and you start to wonder, okay, where is this game going, especially when Ottawa ties it up? But that JT Miller goal to end off the second, guys, uh, just gave them enough confidence in the third period, a different situation, low event, 
Sure, they got the shots, but overall, the Canucks didn't give much of anything. And I think, you know, there's certain players, when you start looking at the lineup tonight, uh, the top two lines especially, sure, the shot attempts are in Ottawa's favor, but did they get anything of substance in this game, especially in the third period? No, and uh, you got to give credit to the top six uh, on this team in that regard specifically because, yeah, they won their matchups. If you look at goals four versus, you know, uh, and high danger chances, the Canucks, top two lines, won their matchups yet again. Yeah, I'm trying to cycle through all my notes here to see like what chances the the Sens had that you look at and say, okay, they should have converted that one. It's the Batherson one that he scores on, and it's the Kuch- the uh, Kachuk one where he misses the empty net. Unless I'm missing one here, that that's there's by a crossbar large... by Batherson. Oh right, yes. Yeah. Other than that, probably no. Yeah, and I, I'm hard pressed to find like the the plays where we look at and say um, the, the Sens should have converted uh, three or four times tonight. No, it was actually, you know, I know there's a couple of moments there in the second period on the power play of all times where the Canucks were a little sloppy, mm-hmm. and I'm sure puck management um, was discussed during the intermission. Maybe the players brought it up themselves. We know they self-police pretty good, according to Rick Tockett. But, you know, there's a couple of moments there where you're saying, okay, hey, this is getting out of uh, your comfort zone. You're probably taking a little casual, whether it was Casey DeSmith trying to hit one of his teammates, ends up hitting Highmore. Uh, there's Elias Pettersson on the power play with the drop pass, the blind drop pass. But it didn't hurt them there. And outside of that, guys, I thought, especially in that third period where you could see this team just kind of getting settled in to say, okay, we've seen this before. We know how to get out of it. Previous iterations, and I know at some point we're going to lose that uh, that talking point, but the reality is we're still early in the season. And one of the few things we can do is compare this team to previous years. This is a classic example where the Canucks don't pull this win off. This is a game where they maybe have a quick start, and they're not able to lock it down in the third period. Uh, they're not able to climb back into this game in the second period and get that goal where JT Miller and Phil DiGiuseppe combined for a great goal. Uh, you know, to the you guys were talking about into in the intermission, great shot, but also just excellent details by DiGiuseppe. Uh, but that's what this team is starting to show. Where over sixty, you might not have the greatest of games. Maybe you have a good thirty minutes. Maybe you have a good final frame. But do, can you do enough to win? And when you've got a nine-game point streak, not every single one's going to be Hall of Fame worthy. Sometimes you're going to have to grind it out. That's what they did tonight. So from your perspective, like, wh- why does it look so simple? And, and, and why are these games being reduced to um, low event, the, the, the manner in which they are? Because it, it, it's, by and large, a lot of the same players here, Randeep. And it, it's a totally different reality that we've seen from last season to this season. I think it comes down to the education of how they want to play like having a sound strategy having a system and knowing where to be in moments during the game to say hey in this moment when we're up ahead this is what we're going to play like we're not going to take chances and I think you saw late in that period there was one you know chance for Niels Hoaglander where it's kind of a half chance he doesn't really create anything necessarily but outside of that the Canucks were you know playing it pretty safe they weren't taking any unnecessary chances um, with Niels Hoaglander there, sees you know an opportunity in the neutral zone, forces the issue a little bit, uh, which you don't mind in that circumstance because you see that opportunity. You're not trying to hit a home run every single time you're out there. You're locking it down. You're playing it safe, and you trust each other. So to me, guys, it comes down to knowing the system. Talkett mentioned that last week where, hey, these guys know it better now. They're talking to each other. Uh, but even beyond that, this is not you're not trying to do too much. You're trying to do one job. And you know the guy next to you is going to be able to complete the job. Last year, it felt like they were trying to do everything. And that's why they were stretched left, right, center, you name it. They're trying to do everything. Here, it's a, I trust the guy that's standing next to me on the back end. I trust my forward to do the right thing. And if he doesn't, I'm going to help. 
We're going to help. We're going to rotate. We're going to do all those things. But there is an element of trust. There's an element of trusting in your system and what you know, too, guys. Yeah, belief and trust can take you a long way. And that's what we're seeing here from this team mixed in with some very high-end talent coming up big. Mm -hmm. And focusing in on kind of how they defended tonight, I didn't think Quinn had his cleanest game. But even so, Bick and I were talking about it between intermissions. Like some of the interplay between Philip Hironik and Quinn Hughes, their recovery, recovery, especially on Chartier in that second period where Hironik comes and knocks the puck off his stick and then Quinn Hughes comes and knocks the stick off, knocks the puck off his stick as well, stick as well and gets the puck out of the zone. I mean, we're still seeing them make these high-level plays that even on nights where these guys aren't quite on it, they're still focused enough to make those big plays that make a difference in games. Yeah, I know pregame we were talking about uh, JT Miller and Stone Cold Steve Austin. That play that you described right <laughs> yeah. there. What did I miss was like a pregame show? <laughs> it was it was a great pregame show. Yeah. We were all over the place, not going to lie. Uh, but overall, that reminded me of like a tag team wrestling where you're that duo, right? One guy makes the play and the other guy completes it. Um, I, I really, you know, you're right. They were fighting the puck a little bit. And Quinn, there's a couple of mo- moments where on the PK in uh, the first period, uh, he tries to clear right up the middle. It gets deflected. It turns into that Drake Batherson uh, chance I alluded to earlier. So fighting the puck a little bit, but to his credit, guys, the ice in Ottawa uh, looked awful. The puck was bouncing mm-hmm. everywhere tonight. And, you know, whether it was the puck sitting up on, on its edge um, when Ian Cole was trying to play it, whether it was Ottawa's plays, there was just a number of moments where you could tell the players, when the puck was on their stick, uh, they were really fighting it out there. And I'm not sure what was going on in Ottawa last night on that uh, playing surface, but that was a real challenge. And I'd love to hear some of the players' thoughts maybe after the game because it felt like they're all fighting it. But when you come back to Hronik and Hughes, yeah, there's just another level of quality that these guys have. And we've seen the offensive aspect from Quinn. But one of the areas that has really been downplayed by a lot of folks or maybe underrated is his ability to, to defend Coming back in transition, that speed just negates so many chances. And guys, hanging on to the puck, I know he wasn't leading the way uh, through 40 minutes anyways. I haven't seen the, seen the updated numbers, but he didn't have his, you know, hanging on to the puck for two minutes type of night. But still, the more you have the puck, uh, the, the better you're going to defend because you're not going to be in the, in the uh, defend, uh, defensive zone. Um, we've seen that majority of this year. But yeah, it, it wasn't a perfect night for Quinn Hughes. But when you start looking at the stats and you look at what they were able to do, they end up winning the game. And I think it's only going to get better from here because we've saw, seen a lot of special from Quinn Hughes this year. Yeah, just a quick peek at it. Uh, a rare night when someone beat Quinn Hughes in the total possession time. Now, he was still at 205, but uh, Jake Sanderson sitting there at 209. But usually, Quinn Hughes is miles ahead of everyone else, uh, both uh, on the Canucks and, and the opposition. And, you know, we, we sit here and we say, okay, like a, a bunch of their best players weren't at it tonight. And then I look at the goal scorers. It's Besser, it's McKayev, it's Miller, it's McKayev, it's Pedersen. Five or uh, four goal scorers in the top six. And I just kind of scratch my head and think, imagine when they are. Like, I'm losing phrases to talk about this team because on a night when they weren't really at their best, they put up five. Yeah, and you know what I liked about a couple of those lines? And I think with the Miller, Besser, and PDG line, like we know what the formula there is. There's going to mm-hmm. be hard work. There's going to be a, a certain style they play. And credit to, to PDG for, you know, first of all, a high-skill play right off the bat at the beginning of this game, and then just a smart play on that second primary assist he gets. But today's game, it felt like to me anyways, this was the one where Ilya Mikheyev looked confident, mm-hmm. where the Mikheyev that we saw in Toronto when he was a nuisance or he was, you know, scary to play against in the neutral zone, he's making plays, uh, he's, he's creating chances, uh, started to see that a little bit. So, you know, that's a good sign, which means that he's probably getting a little more confident on that knee. Um, there's a play in that first period where after he scores that goal, 
he strips Jake Sanderson of the puck and goes in on a breakaway. Like, that is Ilya Mikheyev. If we see more of that, we're going to see that, you know, he's probably feeling a lot better. Also, I, I think Kuzmenko um, on that mm-hmm. on that goal, the 4-2 goal, uh, who starts that play in his own defensive zone? Hard, uh, you know, battle around, uh, along the, the boards there. Kuzmenko wins that battle, and then the play goes forward into the offensive zone, guys, and... Elias Patterson, what a smart play. He slows down, wait for his teammates to, to go towards the net, and doesn't rush it. A lot of guys will play it into the corner or fire it into an area that there's no teammates. This guy just sees the game slow down. So you're right. The best players did play the best tonight. Uh, it wasn't a perfect game from them, but especially that line. I, you know, we've been talking a lot about, hey, is Kuzmenko going to, are we going to see that, you know, that flash that we saw from him last year? The shooting percent is not high. We expected that to regress. But he's doing these other plays that um, I just saw a much more, I want to say, focused Andre Kuzmenko, who is focusing on those little things that Rick Tockett wants him to do. And beyond that, um, loved uh, Ilya Mikheyev's game tonight. I thought he was extremely confident, and we're starting to see him grow into that role, especially in the neutral zone. I wanted to give some love to the third line here tonight. They didn't really factor in on the score sheet, but I thought in terms of being good on the forecheck, creating some chances, spending some time in the offensive zone, the Garland, Dakota, Joshua, Pugh, Suter line, I thought had a very effective night. They may not get a lot of um, you know credit, generally speaking, and, and maybe not a lot of points to show for it, but I thought they were very key 5-on-5 five five tonight. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I think with... Dakota Joshua and we were, uh, you know, very. There's a lot of commentary about him in this market in terms of uh, is he, you know, going to stick in the lineup? He got scratched. Uh, where is this headed? Uh, tonight he was hitting his spots, right? And that's one of the areas that we were talking about to say, hey, is this a guy that is able to find that speed, find that physicality? And against Edmonton, he was able to find that speed around along the right hand side. He's not going to, to you know, score or assist every single game. That's not necessarily his game. But tonight, I thought he was getting there. He was being physical. He draws Josh Norris into a play where, you know, hard hit along the boards and then retaliation from Norris, a bad penalty there. Uh, But even beyond that, like, Pew Suter's game is so uh, quiet. And you've noticed the goals over the last number of games, but he's just doing everything right. And guys, remember when they played against Nashville? Uh, that was one of the players we talked about in the post-game show, just to say, yeah, it was not a good game necessarily. They get the W, similar to tonight in a lot of ways, but just a sound defensive game. And one of the, the probably the more effective players tonight was, was Connor Garland. Credit to him. He was being, uh, you know, aggressive. He was hanging onto the puck, uh, creating. So, even though they didn't necessarily light up the score sheet to your points at, um, you're getting the effort that you want from them. And most importantly, are they in the defensive zone or are they going to be in the offensive zone? If they can have, you know, 20, 30 second shifts where maybe they might be against uh, one of the top lines, uh, whether it's Drew's line or, or the other, the, the top line of um, the Kachuk line, if you get them to be in the offensive zone, you've won. It doesn't matter if they score or not, as long as they're taking puck possession and keeping the other other teams, one of their top lines, uh, in the in the defensive zone, which we saw in a couple of moments t- uh, tonight. Uh, last one for me, Casey DeSmith uh, continues his uh, good production. You know, every time he goes in, you, you want your backup to get a point a game. Well, he's well above that uh, right now. And look, some good fortune hits the post. Kachuk misses that empty netter, but nevertheless, Casey DeSmith did what he needed to do tonight. For sure, and this is a guy that I think we were talking about this during the game as well. Just the one word that that would describe his game, like you know, you've got 28 saves tonight, but just solid, right? Like a solid mm-hmm. uh, goaltender that you—that's the word you want to describe. You know, you've looked at um, goaltenders in the past, and I understand the environment was different in Vancouver with those other goaltenders, so it's not a, a not necessarily a, 
a fair um, assessment of their game because they were playing under a very different team, a very different structure uh, involved in the, But with Casey DeSmith, uh, I like that he's a on on two th- you know two things here. One is that rebound control is usually pretty good, and he's making the saves that he needs to make. And it wasn't perfect. There was a couple of puck handling plays, especially that one to Highmore, where you know you're going to look back and say, hey. Nothing, you know, nothing happened there, luckily. But, guys, that was an opportunity that could have uh, been in the back of the net. But nothing happens there, and that's really a one-off. I've liked this game. And what are you looking for when you have your backup in net? Give your team a chance. And that's exactly what he's doing. And he's going to get two starts, likely, uh, on this trip because we're expecting him to have his revenge game against Montreal where he was there for a short period of time. But uh, I like <laughs> his game. And he's one of the uh, the better backups in the league right now. The stats tell you that as well. This guy uh, keeps winning, and, and that's what the Canucks need. No, absolutely. Now, Randy, uh, final one here before we let you go. As far as the coaching staff, too, we talk about how these guys, how they have these guys engaged, how they have these guys playing. They show faith. You mentioned to run, to run uh, Casey the Smith here tonight. They win the game. They have two games coming up on the weekend. I mean, they're showing confidence in terms of their plan and also sticking to, hey, we're, we want to play Thatcher Demko a certain amount of games, and we're not going to be afraid of throwing the backup in two out of three on a road trip and the fact that you won this game and now you're coming up against toronto and montreal to end it hey you win two out of three that's a really good road trip but with how they're running these things i mean we have to like reframe what our expectations are for the rest of this road trip don't we Uh, well okay so heading into this one you start looking at you know what they're capable of and look at the records ottawa is a team that plays with speed they've got some physical players uh, you'd expect it to be a tough night, and it was a tough night. Like They brought the effort. They had the Canucks on the ropes in that second period there, uh, and a bad penalty by Norris kind of takes a little bit of pressure off, and after that, the Canucks uh, kind of lean into it and win the third period, play a good way. But Toronto, guys, uh, watched that game last night between them and the Senators. They are are very leaky defensively. Uh, John Klingberg is not working out there. Mark Giordano's playing top four minutes. That game, to me, sure, they have a lot of firepower, and Austin Matthews can go off, but that's a game that the, the Vancouver Canucks can win on Saturday night. There's no question in my mind. High in talent, both teams have it. Who's got the better goaltender? I think we know the answer to that. Who's got the, the better defensive structure right now? The Canucks do. So that one is going to be a marquee matchup on the weekend. But Montreal right now, uh, they're not playing well. So in terms of you know six points, are they possible? I think so very much. It's going to be tough, especially with a back-to-back. But you look at the opposition and the way that they're playing, the Canucks, if they focus and they can play, bring their A game, especially on Saturday night, I think six out of six is, is actually, yeah, it's possible. You don't say that uh, on road trips very much, but... With uh, the way that the Canucks are playing and how these other teams are as well, uh, I think it's possible. Well, like this text to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox says, Canucks are putting money in the bank. Keep putting that money in the bank, and it makes your job a lot easier for the rest of the season. Randy, great stuff as always, man. Look forward to chatting with you on the weekend. Cheers, boys. Have a good uh, post-game show and chat soon. You got it. That is that is Randy Janda calling the game alongside Brendan Batchelor in a 5-2 Canucks victory. Elias Pettersson picks up three points tonight. Uh, JT Miller picks up a couple of points. Quinn Hughes picks up an assist. Uh, I mean, for as much as we talked about some of these guys having tough nights, you know, Kuzmenko had two points. Pedersen, three points. I'm saying, PDG it's... had two points. Miller had two points. I mean, you know, a tough night is still filling out the score sheet for these guys. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable. <laughs> and again, it's not as if they, it was like, oh, 35 shots and they got these chances. It's like we're sitting here on 16 shots on goal. And all those numbers you just mentioned is their star players. And and to be honest, it's probably a credit to the depth. I know you mentioned the, the, the third line. But 
like the the Hoaglander line had moments as well, and he had a couple of chances to to put the puck in dangerous areas, and and his teammates didn't take shots. Um, certainly not on on him. It, it just felt like those lines did what they had to do, and it sets up the star players yeah. who, if you give them enough opportunities, they're going to score. And, and Ottawa wasn't really tight with it. It's not as if Ottawa was fantastic tonight and the Canucks did like a smash and grab job and no. walked out. Like, Ottawa was not good tonight either. No, they had some chances. They yeah. had some opportunities where they didn't take advantage of. But if you even look at the high-danger scoring chances in this game, even the ones that we tracked, I still felt like the Canucks outchanced them. And by natural stat trick, it was 9-3 for the high-danger chances. And I don't necessarily disagree with that tally. At 5-on-5. Five five. So they weren't great, but they still weren't getting hemmed in. It wasn't chance after chance. It wasn't mistake after mistake. But the bar of expectations are higher because the bar of their performance has been higher. So when they don't fulfill that potential they have, they are going to be viewed as not have ha- having as good a night as you're capable of. Mm-hmm. And that's a positive thing. That means you're raising the bar of who you are as a team and what we should expect from you performance-wise. And when you don't meet it, there are some questions. But the sign of a good team is you still find a way to win a hockey game. But it wasn't just by, hey, we hung on and won the game. Like they were, they, they snuffed that game out in the third. They choked it off in the third. They didn't allow anything from Ottawa chance wise, at least decent chance wise, and they scored two more goals. Like it's, it's a pretty remarkable performance on the road, despite the fact they weren't at their best tonight. Steven White Rock, Mark and White Rock, guys, the firepower is incredible. Where did this come from? They grind teams down, but whenever they need a goal this year, they score two. And yes, I mean, the run and, and the way these goals are happening, it's, 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 it is remarkable and, and pretty insane. But it is also a testament of their star players, like really coming together. Like Duncan says, this is what we were promised when we drafted Pedersen and Hughes. Yeah, I, I will say. Like this level of scoring, and I like I know you know people are going to point out to the shooting percentage and all that sort of stuff. Like never in a million years did I think this would be the thing. Like my biggest concern coming to this season was goal scoring. Yeah, like I I, I really thought that they would be middle of the pack goal scoring because you know going through last year and we can talk about motivation and all that sort of stuff, but it's not as if they were like top four last year. They were middle of the road goal scoring. And that's with like someone like Horvat having a fantastic yeah. season. And you know the big concern was, can you replace it by committee? And the lesson through all of a, a lot of hockey history would be, and and sports history is, if you got the the, the loony you, rather than four quarters, you'd rather have the loony. And to do it by committee, and it's a bunch of guys filling in here today. And PDG, what a game from him. Yeah. And like individual just, efforts. You know, before the game, people were saying, you know, should PDG maybe come out when Bluger comes in because Hope Lander's being wild. But it's, you see how well he, like, he does the dirty work. He doesn't necessarily get the Again, points, but he does so much of the dirty work. Phil details Giuseppe, man. Yeah. It, like, that's what the D stands for. And it, it's, it's, like, he's helping set Miller up for a goal. With, with a little bit of work, and it's a primary assist on the Besser goal. Yeah. Well, I guess it's a primary assist on the Miller goal as well. But it's a great feed to Brock Besser. And the, the, on the broadcast, you know, Ray was going on about the, the defensive play he makes. Yeah, in, in, late in the zone. third, yeah. And it's it's all these functional plays that set up something else. Like Kuzmenko battling for that puck, gets it out of the zone, and he's the first one down the ice as well. All this stuff helped set up for star level players. Like you'd expect Elias Pettersson with space and time to make a smart play and just throws it to the net and it goes off Mikheyev. You'd expect JT Miller with time and space to bury a shot like that. The perfect shot's going to beat the best save. And you go through it and like Brock Besser streaking in off the wing. You kind of want Brock Besser to score that goal. And yeah, Forsberg gets a glove on it, but it crosses the line. And it's Mikheyev on a mini break. 
they're they're good players are in prime scoring opportunities with with time and space. Yeah, and those guys can finish. They're finishing at well a really astronomical rate which can continue at this pace but are you still doing other things in terms of being a good team and again defensively despite not having the greatest cleanest night they still didn't give up a ton i think that's the backbone of the team that's something they can rely on and they've certainly been successful in doing so big get a couple text messages in here and we'll get to the phone boards as well we have a full board people excited about the canucks 5-2 win uh 650 650 uh dave in regina when does adam foot start getting some credit or d is playing so well i could have played a net tonight no offense to uh casey to smith but foot has uh, these guys playing well it's a common theme suddenly on our on our post game shows of hey this guy deserves some credit and this yeah. guy deserves some credit. Honestly, a lot of people deserve a lot of credit right now uh, with the success they're having. Yeah, and Jesse says, can I get some love? You get some love too, Jesse, <laughs> for sticking in there as a Canucks fan and, and reaping the benefits to start yeah. this season so far. Uh, Brian, one, Brian in Oshawa, he's at, he says, I was at the game. Tons of Canucks fans in the building. Great finish to the game as well. And thanks for calling in, Brian. And glad the Canucks fans there had a good time too. Uh, Paul texting in. I think this is Paul from Coquitlam. Uh, says, hey, Jansa, let me eat my words. I've been so critical of this team. And even Rick Tockett uh, for the last few years, I love what I'm seeing keep going great work uh, and have a great night uh 650 650 yeah uh we'll keep getting to your text messages as well let's go to the phone boards we have a full board a number of callers on the line here 604-280-0650 and we'll start things off in victoria with taylor on the line taylor thanks for calling in uh, what do you have for us tonight oh my goodness thanks for taking my call you guys um so i've been uh, a canucks fan um for a really long time i watched my first game at seven i'm now 31 years old so i've seen a lot of ups and downs and uh so the thing i want to talk about the most right now is is niels hoaglander Mm -hmm. and i know you guys are talking about him already but with teddy bluger coming back into the lineup i mean i don't see how you can possibly pull hoaglander out he's he's been an impact player he's been more of an impact player than you know brevillier or garland and not that those guys are playing bad because nobody is right now. But I mean, Hoaglander is making a real difference out there. Every time he's on the ice and he's doing it in less ice time, he's like, he's so strong in the puck. And I think that's why he's, he's getting under the skin of the players on the other team is just because he's a guy you're really happy to have on your team. And, and this, this new system under talk, it really caters to him. Um, I find that, the Canucks are making like high percentage plays. And something I've really noticed this year is that they're chipping the pucks into areas where they can win puck races. Yeah. And that, well, that's Hoaglander's like strength. He's going to win a puck race and a puck battle almost every time. And it's really nice to see talk at style reward someone, a player with so much tenacity like that. Um, yeah. The best part about this, this watching the Canucks this year, it's just, it's like an, it's no mistake hockey. And right. like, obviously there's going to be mistakes all the time. Uh, but uh, there's just like watching the Canucks the last few years compared to this year, the amount of mistakes being made out there is just drastically less. So yeah, it's quite it's quite um, the change, isn't it, compared to what it was a few years ago? But Taylor, thanks. Oh. Yeah, but thanks for your phone call. Anything else to add before we let you go? All right, we got him. That's good, Taylor. Thanks for your phone call. Um, we'll keep things going here. But on on his point on Niels Hoaglander, I thought he had another strong game, and it's it's a really tough decision here. If everybody's healthy, who comes out for Teddy Bluger? Yeah, and does he maybe the coach even delay it an extra game if Teddy is ready because of how things have gone? Maybe afford somebody a chance to maybe play themselves off because I, I still like Dakota Joshua's game. I have moments tonight. It's, maybe I was, but I was talking so. about this on the show yesterday. It, it you go through the four can, the primary candidates right because it's not Phil DiGiuseppe, it's not Connor Garland, right? Like they're not coming out of the lineup. I think you look at Bovillier, you look at um, 
Joshua, you look at Hoaglander, and you look at Lafferty. Well, Lafferty brings a speed element yeah. that, again, Bluger's not slow, but you lose a little bit of team speed. You take Joshua out, and Bluger's not small, but you lose a size element. Beauvillier, yeah, you can take him out, but I feel like it'd be kind of doing some damage to a, a guy who's not, who's not really playing poorly. Well, I thought tonight, for instance, there were a lot of plays that he made yeah. through neutral zone, knocking pucks off good on the forecheck, making smart plays, getting pucks in deep. I mean, he's doing what the coach wants him to do. And and you know what? And, and here he, recently, he was at least putting up some points here. Now it's, it's uh, a couple in a row where he doesn't have points, but... He's he's been playing responsible, good hockey. Yeah. Um. And it's Hoagland who's playing really energetic, and it's like eight nine. He plays twelve thirty one uh, tonight, and you would just look at the minutes. But you know, to, to to Taylor's point, it's like I don't know if you can take that guy out of the lineup. Now, a result will change this. I don't know if he's going to screw with a winning lineup, but it, it it you are hard pressed to, to to pull someone out of the lineup. I probably lean towards Joshua, but it's it's tough right now. Like you just take a size element out of the game. Yeah, you do. And he's been effective with that line as well and having the physicality. It's not an easy decision, but for once we're talking about the coach having a very tough decision with the lineup instead of having the other problem, which is I don't know who's better than the other guy because we don't know who's actually playing well, and that's a far better position to be in. And that is why the Vancouver Canucks so far this season have 21 points in their first 13 games. A remarkable start to their season so far. We'll take one more phone call, then take the rest on the other side. We'll get to head coach Rick Tockett, more player post-game reaction. What Elias Pettersson had to say you want to hear what he had to say post game about his performance tonight and how the team played but let's go to campbell river where we have gary on the line gary thanks for calling in uh, what are your thoughts tonight hey guys yeah thanks for uh, taking my call uh just uh talking about uh hoglander there uh he is public bus floor nasty he's just so dirty uh and it's great i love to see the pest uh come out uh, with this team uh, i also want to talk about tyler myers uh he had a Excellent third period, excellent uh, play at that blue line with his stick, just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, he was getting uh, accommodations on the bench from the coaching staff. I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that. And uh, you guys uh, said uh, to me, slow my roll, when I said 65 wins at the start of the season. <laughs> I'm still going 65 wins. We're on our ba- way, baby. Woo! All right. Uh, thanks for the phone call, Gary, in uh, Campbell River. I mean, they're on pace for like 60-some wins. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm not sure they're going to get there, but Gary called the shot, and he's coming back hey. saying, you know. Absolutely. That's it's good. Shout out to Gary. Shout out to Gary. Now, we'll take some more phone calls on the other side. And I believe we have a Mikey, Mike in Surrey on the line as well. So Mike in Surrey, we'll take his call on the other side. Gary called in the same night. The, the Mike, Mike in Surrey? Mike, I believe so. Oh, the, wow. the Mike in Surrey called in last time, and we know what he said. And Gary and Campbell River called right afterwards and said, they're going to win 65 games. So both guys back on the show tonight. We'll get to Gary on Competing, the other side. Competing, I like Competing it. Competing hard tonight. We'll, we'll get to Gary on the other side. Plus, we'll hear from Rick Tockett and more of your text messages. And we'll break down the Canucks 5-2 win in the nation. Capital over the Senators right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Aronic after the puck, far corner in his own zone, lost a battle to Batherson. Who cuts back to the line. Has his stick lifted by Kuzmenko, and he plays it free for Pedersen, who winds his way to the Ottawa line on right wing. Pedersen delays inside the line. Long shot, tip, they score! Ilya Mikheyev in the slot with a beautiful backhand deflection while his back was facing the net. 
And the Canucks build on their lead. It's 4-2. And what a patient play here by Elias Pettersson to take what's given to him, not rush a play. Elias Pettersson, an assist, two assists, and a goal. Three points on the evening, helping the Canucks win. 5-2 over the Ottawa Senators. And this is the Canucks Central postgame show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Uh, Mike and Tawasson says, Feels weird to say a 5-2 win felt like one of our weaker games. And yeah, that's kind of... It's uh, true. It's true. Facts only. It is facts only. And they still came away with a W here tonight. Just really quickly, uh, their 10th win last year came on December 3rd December. in game 25. Wow. So 12 more games to go. Yeah. It's Canucks have 21 points in 13 games. So, I mean, they have 69 games remaining on the season. To get to even 95 points, they have to get, what, 74 points in their final 69 games? That's bigger math than I can figure yeah. out. So, the- I mean, that's just... Yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, that's just kind of what they've done, the position they put themselves in, even if, you know, the so-called regression, which, I mean, they're just, you know... More like regret season. <laughs> you know what? I, I should have workshopped that one first. Well, my bad. My bad. Now, you may have pulled that one out of holster a bit too quick. Uh, Cole, in, uh, Cole Harbor Hayden says, five goals on 16 shots looks great on paper, but that was one of the regression games, so to speak. No, it just adds to it more yeah. than anything else. All right. We'll get to more of your text messages coming up in, in a few minutes. We'll get to head coach Rick Tockett. Plus, we'll hear from Elias Patterson. But we mentioned we would go back to the phone boards. Let's start there. We took Gary from Campbell River, who called in a few weeks ago or a week or so. I mean, it feels like an eternity yeah. ago, but called in and said the Canucks win 65 games. Now, we have Mike and Surrey called in prior to that, and he mentioned how he didn't believe that what the Canucks were doing was sustainable. And they've been on, on the heater, right? So Mike and Surrey's back back online tonight. Mike, what's going on, buddy? Thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you hey have guys, for us tonight? Great, yeah, man. Hey, great, great guy. Great show. You guys have a lot of fun. So I said I would call back in. So, yes. So um, uh, the key here is this. There's two approaches. Number one is if we're just here to have fun and enjoy the season. Like let's say we were only in the league 10 or 20 years. Or maybe there's, fan, there's a lot of fans out there that are only you know, younger fans. All for it. Like, you know, just don't listen to me. Like, ignore me. And ignore the whole idea of regression. That's how I was maybe in the first 20 years of this uh, team. But if you're a diehard team, and if the goal is one thing, to be a contender, to have a chance to win the cup, that's what's fueling my obsession with the regression. The people who are talking about regression are those that want teams to win the cup. The fact is, unless you're a certain uh, stat profile, you're not going to win the cup. It's been 53 years. It just doesn't happen. So even if they have a hot season, what I'm looking for are factors. And I'll be the first to say if they're getting up to the level where they have a chance to win the cup. That's all I'm saying. And the other thing about regression, boys, is everything is on fire. I've gone through the very best percentage of every state of play. And they're above every state of play. So the power play shooting percentage is going to regress. The save percentage in, on five on five is going to, the shooting percentage on five on five, the save, everything. So it's just one of those roles, right? So all I'm here to say is my research, I've done it 20 years, mm-hmm. right? And what turned me around was the Willie DeJarden year. Mm-hmm. I had, I was a blogger that year and no one listened. I said, my stats say they're an 88 point team. Everybody said, no, no, they're 104 point team. They're a good team. And it took three years before they realized they were actually eight. So that's the danger. So I'm not trying to take away fun. I just want to say that my numbers say they're a 95-point team. And they're a good team. They may have a a very good season. 
and they've taken a step up, but they're still, they have to get up to 103. There, there's still a long way to go to get to be a contender, guys. That's all I'm saying. Hey, hey Enjoy Mike, the game. You know, st- yep, stay, right. Can you stay on the line? Is, 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 yeah, is, sure. is, oh, yeah, no, no, I, I just want to just bring something up because yeah. I think you're, it's a fair point. Coming into the season, I would say 90, mid 90 point team is what they could be. And you're right, they're, they're running crazy numbers, percentages. We'll see how the season goes. Yeah. But I think even if you believe the team could be a 100 point team, I think we all agree they still need more to be a cup contender. I think the best yeah. thing about this year would be to take advantage of this start and then at least you give yourself a chance to get closer and still add to this group and get better for next year so it can be a positive step forward even if they are running a bit hot can i just say one thing i agree with you that this is all positive for confidence and getting the fans on board and the players believe i'm just worried about the other side is if the fans and the management believe they're better than they are it can can cause some issues in how you address the team. And that's all I'm here. I'm the devil's advocate to say... <laughs> so, hey, Mike, yeah, yeah. would, would, would um, staying patient be the mistake here for you? Like, if, if the team sat here and said, okay, hey, like, we don't believe this, and, and so we're just going to hold on to what we have, is that the mistake for you then? No, I, the mistake is rushing it. Like going to getting going thinking that that they're better than like they actually have thinking that they right. Have but then, what are you supposed to do to get better? Well, they got to hope that uh, Lakira Mackey and these other guys, you know, they they got to they got to get cheap players that can perform well. That's the, every Cup winner has got had guys mm-hmm. like Caves and Kane and and Perry and these guys in their first few years on beginning contracts. They yeah. have none. Yeah. That's the key. That's well, the problem. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks for the phone call. Mike's oh, calling. I, I, I wasn't done there. I know. It's okay. We, we, he had a good I mean, run. People there. got mad at me last time because I, I apparently took shots at no, Mike no, after he hung up. No, no he, honestly, was... hey, and people call Mike a hater. Some people yeah. texting in. No, look, that's look, fine. But uh, hey, fair discussion. Bring facts. No, and it was a fair discussion. Fair that's discussion. all we're saying. Fair but discussion. But I, 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 I don't like the idea of like, oh, I'm not here to take away any fun, but you're telling people that they're not here to support wins. Like our phone boards are lit up. Our text me- message inbox is lit up. Don't tell people that they're not here to committed to winning. Well, yeah. When they clearly here are. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think the point was about... Um, don't take shots at fans. No, Come here, state your facts, and then don't take shots at fans. <laughs> Vic, is, Vic is defending the fans. People are texting in and saying, if this guy doesn't shut up, I'm going to turn it off. So that's one text message. St. Louis Blues Mike is what one somebody else said. Uh, <laughs> we can't be related to that Canucks fan. But people are giving it back, so it goes back and forth. Nate says, Mike is saying he's not trying to take it away to fun, but it sure seems like it. That's Enjoy what I'm saying. <laughs> like, people are going to feel slighted listening to this and be like, hey, I'm trying to support the team. I want them to win. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. No, and we only do this, by the way, we only do this in sports when we talk about bandwagon stuff. No one's like, oh, have you heard about this restaurant? It's like, oh, well, I heard about it first, so I care about it more. Have you heard about this band? I, I like it more. It's like we only do this for sports. Some people don't have all the time in the world to research for twenty years, like Mike, yeah. and so they jump on late. It's okay. Welcome those fans too. And I and I would do agree with your point. What they should do is improve on this team, add more to this team. But you can't add more to this team without taking some chances. Now you can't stay here and say, "Oh, the regression is going to happen," but we want to do nothing to prevent no, it. No, no, I know. But that, I think the point that I think the point that he made, and it's not a wrong one. And we talked about this with Willander, for instance. Mm-hmm. 
they need to have players coming in on cheap contracts the next couple of years, especially once you pay Pedersen, once you pay Philip Peronic. They'll need those things. So mm-hmm. Mike's not wrong that, hey, what do they have coming in the pipeline? Do they have those cheap, talented players like Aaron Mackey, Will Lander in a year or two? But the reality is those guys are a year or two away. So how do you bridge to that? And how do you still take advantage of the next couple of years that Jodemko has with the Canucks, Quinn Hughes, and Pedersen mm-hmm. trying to sign to a contract? JT's 30. You're trying to take advantage of the next few years while he's in his prime here, seemingly. So I agree with his point. And they should be adding more cheap contracts in and make good draft picks. But you also have to be bold and make some smart decisions to improve your roster immediately because you can't just let the next two or three years sputter until those guys get ready. But I'm just telling you, Mike, we'll hear from you in three weeks because that's the trend now. Talking about following charts here, it's every three weeks. But every single person is texting and be like, what, my opinion doesn't matter just because I check in late sometimes or I... I don't care about wins. That's what every text is coming right now. So don't come on here and say, I'm a diehard and I, I'm the one that really holds true the values of winning when everyone here is, wants the team to win. You, help yourself. We'll hear from you at the end of November. Help yourself. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Mike's lack of accountability is atrocious. The Canucks will win the Cup, and Mike will say, well, they can't win two. Shake my head. Kaboom. There's a text message coming in. So a bit of everything. People are pushing back. Uh, Leaf says I can't Mike makes some good points, and people do agree he, with Mike a little bit, too. We said the same thing three weeks ago. Yeah. It's like everything he said is factual, right? And we support facts, facts only on this show. And he might be right, and he was right then, too, of all the facts. But it just feels like it's gatekeeping. Well, and I will say this. We talk about entry-level contracts. Phil DiGiuseppe is getting paid less than an entry-level contract. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's playing you know, in a top-six role right now. So they are getting some cheap contracts helping them out, and that's why they are having success right now. All right, we'll, take, uh, we'll get to more of your text messages coming up here in just a few moments. Uh, let's continue on the phone boards, and, we'll, and uh, let's go to Chad and Gibsons. Chad, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Hey boys, uh, nice. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. You know, I'm lucky. I'm I'm 17, so I'm not quite as miserable as Mike is yet as a Canucks fan, which is nice. Yeah, you're not a diehard, accordingly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, accordingly, I, you know, I still have a little bit of hope left. I don't <laughs> entirely hate the fan base, so you know, I'm still, I'm not holding on. Oh, I love it. But um, I just wanted to comment on even like in my years of watching the Canucks, just like the standard of the team. How, for example, like at the beginning of the season, right, like. The head coach, like we had that extra practice, right, in between games, and then we lost the game. And a bunch of fans started blaming Pocket for like working him too hard and saying, "How could you? You tired them before the game, you know? They couldn't play." And I was looking at myself, and I was like, "Don't you think for like the Tampa Bay Lightning, it was maybe a little tiring to go to three Cup Finals in a row?" You know what I'm saying? So it was so nice because every time we went to the East, it just felt like we were getting outworked and outclassed by all of these teams. And finally, it seems like, you know, the Canucks are playing with some structure because when we had, you know, like, you know, like multiple game, like, you know, we were winning like six in a row, like back in like three years ago, I didn't want the next game game to come. I was scared. I was like, they're going to lose. There's no way I'm going to, you know, they're going to go on another like eight game losing streak after this. But here it just doesn't seem like they can lose. It's the first time in my life where they're playing and you can sit back and saying, oh, we're down one. Well, that doesn't matter. We have PD, we have Hughes. We can come back to that. So I was just wondering what you guys were thinking about that, and thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for the phone call. Yeah. I mean, it's a great point about the Tampa Bay thing. It's like well, they go to three cup finals and they're not tired the next season. It's I mean, just a tremendous point. It is. And that that's something the coach talks about as well. It's you need to have a higher level of conditioning. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to work harder. And the team is still in the progression of doing that. He was happy with how the guys showed up this year in camp and everything they've done so far. And 
it certainly doesn't seem like they don't have the energy to play at the level they want to play in. Last year at times, under talking, remember, we're like, man, they're going to have to get in better shape if they're mm-hmm. going to be able to keep it up because they can do it for spurts and then you can tell like they, their game really started de- deteriorating and that's not happening right now. It's actually getting stronger late in the third like we saw tonight. Yeah, and the, the, the fact that they kind of skated this game into dust, uh, sorry, skated the Sens into dust uh, in the third period, really uh, good sign because we, you know, the, it's, it's not even just about big summer that we talked about of, of guys changing their bodies and all that so get faster do you have the endurance to play the style you want to play for mm-hmm. 82 plus games right because it's about 82 plus not just the 82 and that's why i kind of look at someone like hoaglander it's I'm, I'm very comfortable him staying at 11 minutes yeah, and I mean he's being very effective doing that, and we know that he he, he admittedly himself felt like he wasn't meshing in the top six with mm-hmm. those guys. It's kind of like let him be a focal point, and he's mm-hmm. having success in limited minutes. And I was meant making this point earlier, and and who knows what happens? He's shown great this year. We'll see what happens in a year or two. But instead of trying to think of okay. Let's make him the next star player. Just let him develop. And, yeah. and maybe, just maybe, his best role is playing in the bottom six. It, and maybe, just maybe, in a year or two, when you finally move off of Garland, potentially, he can fill that role. So it's you don't have to have everybody be the star, star mm-hmm. top six player. And his best role, like Garland, is playing a secondary role right now. So let him be there and flourish. He's like on the side stage at a music festival. It's like there could only be one headliner. <laughs> Right? Yeah. It's like Saturday, Elias Pettersson, Sunday, Quinn Hughes, and then on the side stage at like three o'clock, Nils Hoaglander. That's what Nils Hoaglander is right now. He's he's the side stage at a music festival. Yeah, absolutely. And and people come back and be like, Oh, you missed the Nils Hoaglander performance? It was awesome. Oh, was like, Let's oh, go man. check out PD right now. <laughs> and PD, well, it wasn't a great performance, but his closing act yeah. was fantastic. So long as you hit that one hit, it's and just like it, oh, it's over. Great I, show. I came here for journey, don't stop believing. Yeah. I went home happy. Yeah, that's all you care about when that's the final thing you you hear. Marcus and Gibson says Chad doing Gibson's proud. So Chad and Gibson's getting some love from Marcus and Gibson's. All right. We'll get to more of your text messages coming up in, in just a moment. Let's take one more phone call here, and then we'll, uh, we'll also get to Elias Patterson and to head coach Rick Tockett. And let's continue and go to Stuart in North Van. Stuart, thanks for calling in, buddy. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Hey, of course. Thanks for having me, as always. Uh, I mean, I, I think you guys might want to check the uh, the area code and the number on that mic, guys. It sounds like Jim Benning with a voice change or something. I don't know what's going on there, but sounds a little bit just ruffled under the feathers for no good reason, right? But uh, I mean, it, it, you know what? You, you gotta love you gotta love Vancouver Canucks hockey. It's yeah. early November. You got half the fan base, you know, planning the parade down Granville, Hawker left on Georgia. The other half saying, "Well, yeah, they're winning, but they're not winning the right way." Like. My God, I, I get why it's stressful for, for players to play in like a Canadian market, but you know, one of the things that has sort of not been lost in all of the winning this season so far, but it's just going with the flow, is on a game-to-game basis, the Canucks have speed, which is something that for maybe the better part of a decade, we have been outskated and just ran around circles by the opposing team. And now the shoe is finally, the skate, I should say, is finally on the other foot. We're actually making teams look silly, which is so refreshing. I mean, to some of the goals tonight, that one by, by Petey off the uh, the faceoff on the power play, I don't know if you guys ever played uh, Wayne Gretzky's three hockey for the N64. <laughs> that looked like a goal straight yeah. out of that game. It was just unbelievable. And you're thinking, okay, like a bunch of our players we've had for years, and now we're seeing that potential, which we knew they had all along. And, you know, a couple key pieces moved in and moved out. Everyone's pulling the weight and everyone's having fun, which is the key thing, because on paper, 
you know, if, if you're a team that's having fun, you can outsolve and outshoot and save a lot of any potential problems. And you know what? Whatever ends up being the, the end of the season for the Canucks, whether it's who knows, whatever, right? From missing the playoffs to winning a cup, I'm just enjoying this right now because it has been years, not since the, the series against the Blues in the bubble and then the one afterwards against the Golden Knights, not since then have I actually got my heart racing for a good reason, for a good reason, not a Louis Erickson back check kind of reason, like for a good positive reason. I'm feeling good, fellas. I'm going to sleep tight. I'm going to have some nice dreams, and I'll talk to you guys in the next game. Attaboy. Uh, thanks for the phone call. Uh, that is Stuart and North Van calling it. And honestly, live in the moment, have fun. I mean, mm-hmm. I think oftentimes we're not present enough as it mm-hmm. is, and enjoying the moment you have, and, and who knows what, what the next day has in store for any of us to begin with. So I think it's great anyways. When things are going well, enjoy it. I'm not going to tell anybody how they should feel. Excited, not excited, optimistic, not optimistic, guarded. Hans texted in earlier and said, boys, um, I, I feel like I, ha- I have hope again, but I'm not sure I have belief yet. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's a bit different. Great phrase. I, mean, I, th- I think it is. I think it is. You're still waiting to see what yeah. happens here. I think a lot of people are on a wait and see, but I do think a lot of Canucks fans are just breathing a sigh of relief that a a season started off really well. Our star players are playing like stars, and not only are they giving us hope that they could be something in the future, maybe just maybe they can get it together a bit quicker. Maybe just maybe this year they're a serious hockey team, and nobody here really thinks they're a Stanley Cup contender. Not now. A few people text in, like you know. Um, Somebody Steve texted in earlier and said, you guys are selling them short. They could win the cup this year. And hey, you want to believe that? Believe that. I'm not going to tell anybody not to believe whatever they want to believe. But I think generally the sense is, yeah, they're not a cup contender yet, but maybe they're closer than we thought they might be. And maybe there's hope that they are figuring out something as an organization and as a group of players. And there's real reason to believe they might be onto something real now. So the thing I want to illustrate here is I think every May... We start watching playoff hockey and we think, oh man, right, this is what playoff hockey looks like. So the games that we're watching right now are not being played at the tempo of what playoff hockey is going to look like. And to the caller's point, it's like, hey, they look like they have some speed right now. Yeah, they do. They need more of it. Yeah. And again, for, for all the people texting in, it's like, hey, they still need this and they still need this. Nobody's denying that substantial improvements still need to happen. Mm-hmm. This is still a year in transition. Everyone came into that season. 10 wins should not dissuade you from that this early into the season. They're having their success, but let's not pretend that we weren't here three weeks ago talking about, hey, Connor Garland, and he's got to go out, and what happens with Brock Besser and Tyler Marge? You're not hanging on to all of these guys just because they got 10 wins. So come playoff time, they've changed the conversation for me that they went from a 14th best team to maybe the 9th best team now. Like. I feel like they've jumped out of the mushy middle, and we can say, hey, they're, they're about the ninth to 12th best team, somewhere in that range. And so you look at it and say, okay, how do you stabilize in this group? Well, you keep making improvements. No one's denying that they don't need to go out and acquire more talent at some point. Mm-hmm. It's just what manner do you want to go about it? Do you want to go it to, to, to Mike's point earlier? It's like, hey, Karamaki comes in, and these guys all come in. Will Lander. Okay, that, that, that's really good. You need those guys to come in anyways, A, on cheap ELC contracts, and just need to be good anyways. But that's also three years down the road, two, three years down the road where they're impacting pivotal parts of your lineup. So what do you want to do in the interim? Because that, to me, is the interesting bit here. 
Well, it's it's also it's a growing in stages, and you winning and growing up a stage is worth celebrating. Mm-hmm. And this year is the team showing they're going up a stage, and that's worth being excited about. It's worth celebrating. It's worth having enthusiasm over. And we'll see how they're able to take that step beyond this. But what I'm seeing from this team now in terms of their effort, in terms of their overall defensive play, because for all the talk of regression, and yes, there's regression coming offensively and everything, defensively they've been good. And I and I keep saying don't trust the public data as much as you trust this public data because once you go through some of the deeper underlying stuff, and we had a conversation with Kevin Woodley today who has access to ClearSize Analytics, and that is so much more comprehensive than any of the pretty rudimentary shot metrics that are available publicly because it takes into account hundreds and thousands of variables into each scoring chance and how they evaluate it. Well, they have the Canucks as a top five defense when it comes to high danger scoring chances against. So they're giving up some volume here and there, but in terms of actual quality scoring chances by a very comprehensive analytical model, they're top five in the league. So they're not just lucking into these shots and goals and winning these games. Like They're doing some fundamentally strong things that is worth being enthusiastic about and believe that even when, those reg- when the regression so-called hits, you can still be a very functional and strong hockey team. And we'll see ultimately where it falls. But I, I do think for all the talk about the statistics and, and all the worry, there's some strong things that are backing up how they're getting off to the start. And also give credit to some of the talent. Like I, I look at some of the chances that I do look at and say, like I expect Thatcher Demko to make some of these saves. Now it was dismissed tonight, but when we're talking about warding off regression, it, it, it's also fair to look at and say, hey, the average goalie's not in net either. Mm-hmm. Um, you would expect Thatcher Demko to have some success, and you would ex- expect Elias Patterson to to have his success. And I, I, I worry less about uh, certain aspects of it. Like, of course, it's we're going to regress there. We we sit here every game. We're just like, oh, they're not going to play seven thirty hockey, and then the next game they win. It's well, they're not going to play seven fifty hockey, and the next game they win. Yeah. Well, they're not going to play eight hundred. They're playing eight oh eight right now. It's going to come down. Yeah. Um, but to what level? Um, and 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 what it means for the future? Um, if they if they hold on to like all these pieces, then okay, yeah, the, the, there's a bit of a problem. It it can flip. But if they go out and try to be aggressive and and try to make substantial improvements. That's how you kind of maintain your your ability to hang in that tier. No, I, I think absolutely. Um, and I think there are ways still outside of just adding entry-level contracts that you can take that step. But the thing is, we're not just talking about getting to that step next year. It's about getting there and staying there. Can you stay there for the better part of a decade? A couple of years, the entry-level contracts come and supplement the other guys. So there's going to be stages to this, and hopefully it's the beginning of some very good times here in Vancouver. All right, keep getting your thoughts into our text inbox. We'll get to more of your phone calls. We'll hear from Rick Tockett and Elias Patterson next, right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People Show with Big Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. And the faceoff will be to Forsberg's right in the Ottawa zone. Miller wins a clean lead of Pedersen in the slot. He scores! Beautiful passing play right off the draw. Miller to Hughes to Pedersen into the net. The Canucks strike on the power play immediately to make it 5-2. to two. And Chikrin cannot believe it, shaking his head to the referee as he steps out of the box. All it took was two seconds for Elias Pedersen to strike, and he regains the lead in NHL scoring with that howitzer of a shot. Absolute bombs. Elias Pedersen with one. 
JT Miller with a snipe bar down. Both players showing their skill and talent, helping the Canucks win 5-2 over the Senators in Ottawa. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on Sports in the 650. That unbelievable shot coming on the heels of Brady Kachuk just missing. Yeah. Just shows like the contrast of it all. It's like, oh man, the margins are so thin. They so are. So thin. And, and Kachuk had one of those moments of like, should I smack it in on my back end? Should I push it to my forehand? Do I have enough time? And before you know it, the puck's on you and you just shovel it and ah. Uh, it's like playing table hockey, and you're, you're, you're turning the guy the wrong way. Damn, I turned him the wrong way. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll get to some of your text messages and your phone calls coming up in, in just a few minutes. Uh, this one from Sabres, Rob. So far, so good. Great job, lads. Keep it up. And, and a lot more coming in we'll get to as well. Uh, but we mentioned the head coach, Rick Talkin. We'll hear from Elias Pettersson as well. But how does the head coach feel after yet another win, this time on the road? Well, resilient, but it wasn't our A game. Obviously, uh, you know, give Ottawa a lot of credit. They're a fast team. They rimmed a lot of pucks, and we had a tough time on the rims. Um, but like I said, you know, it, obviously Mills's goal was big because they were they were coming. Uh, we had some good parts of our game at near the last second half, but you know, winning some games, not having our A game. Uh, I'm going to take the positive on that right now. Yeah, we did. Yeah, obviously the first five minutes I thought we were obviously two nothing, and after that they took over the game a little bit. And, um, but uh, you know we adjusted a few things. You know we we're a little. I don't know. We had the plane legs. We we're a little slow there for a while. So, um, but saying that, you know we're resilient. Big couple of big goals. You know, um, they block a lot of shots tonight. You got to give Ottawa a lot of credit. Yeah, I, I think um, for me it's a little bit easier because when I go in between periods, my temperament, I know those guys know that we didn't play. I don't have to get mad like they know. You know, I did a couple, of, I said a couple of technical things, but I don't really have to. Maybe in the past I would have been a little bit more heated, but um, I, I'm comfortable with the leadership group and the, the, their handling the resiliency, which is a good thing. But you know we got to be careful. Um, you know we got to make sure we play a 60-minute game because you know you know we're whatever where our record is. Teams are you know they want to beat us now. It's it's you know it, it's a different it's a different standard a little bit right now. It's it's only what 13, 14 games in, but teams are going to be ready for us, and we got to make sure we match that desperation. Otto was desperate tonight, and they played a desperate game. Yeah, I, I will say when teams have possession um, and it looks, I, I, I have to give our guys credit. The structure, we stay involved. Um, we don't lose the middle of the ice very often. And if we do, you know, our goalies have obviously been great for us. I mean, Casey just battled tonight. I give him a lot of credit. What's it been, 10 days since he played or whatever? Uh, I thought he battled really hard. But, yeah, that's the one thing. When you don't have your A game, you know, and you don't have your legs, I thought some guys didn't have their legs tonight is stay in structure. Like, don't be running out of position. Don't be diving. And I think if you do that, you give the, you give the chance the goalies to make the you know the, the stops that they can stop, not that tic-tac-toe type of goals. Not that you would criticize them, maybe, but if you think about your two flattest performances as a team this season, both of them have been your first game in the Eastern time zone. Are you yeah. learning anything as, a, as the head coach just in terms of 
how difficult it can be to come east. Maybe we should come three days before now. <laughs> but we went again the third day, so. Uh, no, I, I don't know. Uh, we had a, I mean, we had a good spirit of practice yesterday. I, I, you know, I have to talk to our science guy. Maybe he's got some, <laughs> something that can help me out with. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett, uh, and he says he's taking the positives in this win. Obviously, wasn't their best game, but he he's going to focus in on what they did well, mm-hmm. like the third period. But obviously, it's a level that they have to increase as they continue on here. Teams are no longer going to be surprised by the Canucks. They're the hottest team in the National Hockey League. They're, I mean. Like somebody texted in here and said, uh, what is going on? If the Canucks win their game in hand, they're going to have the same record as the Vegas Golden Knights. What is going on? So, yeah, I mean, that's where you're at now. You're not surprising anybody anymore. And that means for you to maintain your intensity and your level of play Mm -hmm. as an advantage, you have to take it another notch higher, or at least be prepared for every game. And it's just raising the bar a bit more each time and raising the bar of expectation even higher because of what you've shown you're capable of. That's why the Edmonton game to me was so important important because you knew they were going to play desperate Mm -hmm. you knew they were going to be charged up they're having this hellish season and if if you came out urgent to match their desperation that to me was the biggest marker of hey okay is this making progress here and and that to me again i sat here and i said like they're somewhere in the range between ninth and twelfth that to me was a tear jump game i I would have said that they're the 13th 14th they're kind of trying to get out of that mushy middle but to come away with that game not even just survive the first 10 minutes play a certain style of game to really take it to them the rest of the way. That to me shows, okay, you you are prepared for those moments. It's not always going to look like 6-2 and you're probably going to go 500 in those big marquee games, but at least that to me is a big step Mm -hmm. to say when that team shows up and and they're going to be going, and I know they have all sorts of issues right now, but it's still McDavid, it's still Drysaddle, you still have to give them their respect. But with a team that was full desperation, you were able to play your game and still come up with a big win. And as we see this, because you're going to get a desperate Toronto team. They're having a host of issues. Wednesday is going to be an interesting game because the Islanders are a good team, and you know there's going to be a lot of motion in that game. That one's going to be important. Seattle, how you play against Colorado later this month. Like These are now, we, we can skip some of the San Jose games and the Calgary games. I know rivalry, but you can now start looking at like the Vegas game November 30th, Carolina, Tampa Bay. You can start looking at these games and say, we're going to learn more from these games rather than just try to survive in them like we've seen in seasons past. All I could think about last night, I was watching uh, the Vegas Golden Knights LA Kings game. That was a big boy hockey game. All I could w- think about watching that game was, I can't wait to see the Canucks play those teams. Mm-hmm. And not only to see how they fare, but also, you know, we saw against Dallas, the Rangers, two very good teams. How <laughs> they played really well. They're, they're a top caliber team, so I expect they would be able to. But that's kind of where, where we want to see them play. And if you want to win against those teams, you have to be better than you were tonight. And I think that's kind of the point the coach was making. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. We're trying to get to as many as possible. It's it's hard to keep up when, when the Canucks are winning to this extent and also when they are fired up over uh, Mike's phone call here. So there's a bit of everything in the text inbox. Uh, this one here says... Actual interest in Mike and Suri's outlook on Bitcoin over the next two years. <laughs> Look, that, that, that's objectively funny, but I also, I also don't like I don't like the shots to be taken at Mike at the same time. Uh, it, it, people are having fun. I mean, people felt like they were taking shots. So they're giving shots back. That's, yeah, that's all it, it is. Uh, jokes it. for sixty. Talking at Keep the end, hot, saying he's going to talk to Sad about it. The science guy. Jokes for sixty. <laughs> I'm not that much of a science guy, but he's going to talk to his science guy about you know perhaps doing better to not be asleepy you know, I have on to the talk first. To our science guy. <laughs> 
That's going to be a new drop, isn't it? Uh, Johnny Bubla, we're 10-2-1. Be excited. Oh, believe me. A lot of people on our text inbox are very excited. We'll get to more of your text messages, more analysis, and we'll hear from uh, Elias Pedersen coming up in a moment. But well, let's go back to the phone boards. We have some people waiting uh, to get back on here. And let's go to Nanaimo, where we have Aiden on the line. Aiden, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts tonight? Hey, yeah. Honestly, I don't even know. This team is so good, and I just like their effort again today. You know what? I'm so surprised that they scored five goals on 15 shots. Hey, a win to win. Two points to win. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I give credit to uh, the backup goaltender, uh, D. Smith, uh, for holding them in that game because Hey, if it wasn't for D. Smith tonight, um, I don't think they would have won this game. I think it would have been like 9-5 because, you know, Ottawa had 30 shots on net. What did Vancouver have, 15-16? They didn't play well tonight, but you can't say they didn't play well tonight because they still smoked the team. And, they hey, they're on, what, a five-game win streak, a six-game win streak? I don't know. I'm just loving it. I love that they're winning. I just really hope they keep it up for the rest of the season. Have a good night, boys. Hey, Take care. You, you got it. That's Aiden and Nanaimo calling in. Um, I would say I don't think Ottawa's shot total was reflective of the actual quality yeah. they scored. Somebody else texted in and said, lucky win. I don't know how Kachuk misses that huge turning point in the game, but you Absolutely. take the points and you're happy 100%. I don't disagree with that, but, but I do think Ottawa, outside of a few chances, the Canucks still had far greater quality scoring chances than Ottawa. So even though the Canucks didn't play well, and I agree, they didn't play their best game, I don't think the Canucks played so badly they deserve to lose. Like, I don't think Ottawa was the better team. I think Vancouver shot itself in the foot a lot. I think Vancouver wasn't ready to play for portions of the, or were outplayed for portions of that game. But in totality, especially five on five, Ottawa did not outchance Vancouver or necessarily outplay Vancouver. If I had to think about the seven best chances in the game, right? Uh, just off the top of my head, um, and rank them in order of quality. I would say the Kachuk one is like that one you look at and say that should be a goal. Yeah. Um, then the Besser goal, I would say like that one should be a goal. Goalie coming across, you had the whole net. Yeah. You kind of put it right in the middle too, but Forsberg uh, uh, gets across and gets that save. Um, then the Mikheyev breakaway, Batherson breakaway, those two kind of wash each other out. Again, like PD on a one-timer, that's really nice in the middle of the slot with the goalie moving side to side. That's really nice. Um, Batherson hits the post. Yeah, it's a shot that goes through. Sure, but I'm just talking about chances, chances in the game. Yeah. Like it's, it was fairly even for the chances. I know what the shot count looks like, but I, I think both teams kind of played a 5 out of 10 kind of game. Well, I thought Dakota Joshua had a couple chances in close in the third. Mm-hmm. I think they had some opportunities. Um, I mean, somebody's asking us, what are the high and dangerous scoring chance differences? 5 on 5, according to Natural Statric, and we always say you have to take it with a bit, bit of grain mm-hmm. of salt in general because it doesn't always show quality. But it showed that Vancouver had nine high danger scoring chances, and Ottawa had three five on five. And look, and I think that was pretty reflective overall. With- the Zub goal was good fortune as well for the uh, Sens. Yeah, we we can say that was a a quality look by Artem Zub. Goes off a stick and flutters in. Yeah, that's well that one, and also Ian Cole gives the puck away. Mm-hmm. You know, on a Batherson goal, um, usually don't see him whiff the way he did on that. So the Canucks, I thought, made some critical mistakes that hurt them, and I thought they had moments where they were asleep, comparatively speaking. But yeah, I don't think at any point that I feel like, oh, they're in real trouble and distress with how Ottawa is playing, and that's just, I think, also a reflection of where Ottawa is as a team, despite having talent, and where Vancouver is. That even when they're not playing their best, they finally have that structure they fall back on. Like it wasn't a fire drill in the 
their own end. They still boxed out well. We mentioned in the intermission, Ian Cole, despite the fact he had the giveaway there, he made some really good plays, taking the puck away from east-west passes, protecting that, boxing guys out. So there's still a lot of stability in how they've been defending, despite the fact they were under some level of pressure from Ottawa. But that's kind of how I, how I saw that one. Uh, let's keep going on the phone boards. Let's go to Delta, where Juggy is on the line. Juggy, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts tonight? Boys, how's it going? Good, man. Oh, man, this has uh, been amazing uh, to, to to listen to, and it's been an amazing ride, obviously. Um, Going to be back next week for anthems as well for the Wally Night, so I'm really nice. excited about that. Love it, Juggy. Uh, but, uh, Thanks, thanks, brother. Um, you know, I, I think um, for me, you know, when we even went back to a couple of years ago when the Canucks were winning uh, under the, the Bruce Boudreau bump, uh, if you will, uh, I remember Jim Rutherford came out and said, well, I, our identity is the goalie. Um, and, and this year when he came out in the press conference uh, at the beginning of the season, he said, you know, if everything goes right for us, <laughs> you know, everything is going right and then some, you know. And, and so I think in that sense, you know, my, my main point is is that I think they, they realize that there's a lot of work to do. And I think, you know, from the reporting that, you know, Dolly has done and, and from the reporting that you guys have done, I think they're still looking to add and they're still looking to improve the team. You know, I think um, if you look at how they've sort of added around the edges, though, it's been really solid. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at the Lafferty acquisition, if you look at all of these acquisitions, uh, you know, Mark Friedman, for instance, um, you know, who they'll, they'll probably still add on that right side, obviously. Uh, but, he, you know, he's come in and played admirably well uh, as well. So, you know, when you when you look at all of those things, I think, and, and the sort of roles that Rick Tockett has, you know, given his players, uh, you know, specific roles and everything, which, you know, we, we really haven't seen uh, throughout. And, you know, to see the, the leadership and everybody stepping up, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really great to see. Um, you know, in terms of looking at, um, you know, everything that they've done so far, I think, you know, in order to get this team to that next level, it's just about, you know, like, like you guys have said, bringing in an entry level contracts in the next few years, but also, you know, how can they continue to add around the edges, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Phil DiGiuseppe has been a really good find um, and, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, if, if I'm comparing the, you know, the Canucks to the, to the top two teams, I think, I mean, they're, they're obviously there as well, but you know, LA and Vegas, like you were saying last night, I think, LA is going to be definitely very interesting to watch throughout the season. And I think that the Canucks and, and those games will be, you know, hopefully a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but those are the teams that they're going to have to measure themselves against, in my opinion, uh, especially in the, in this division here. But uh, you know what, guys? Uh, great listening to you guys as always. Uh, thank you for taking my call and lots of love to you. Hey, appreciate it as always. Uh, and I can't wait to hear you doing the anthem at the next Canucks game you're at as well. Great stuff from Juggy. Make sure to follow him on, on, on Twitter as well and socials. Great music, great guy, good analyst, really enjoys his hockey. Appreciate his time as always. And, you know, I, I agree. This team has actually done a really good job of filling out the edges. And as you mentioned, they still want to add... Um, more high-end talent they would like to, especially a top four defenseman, another higher-end forward at some point Mm -hmm. as time goes on. But what are you doing in the meantime, and how do you still fill out your roles? And I think they've nailed... Man, and people are texting in too. And again, there's there's been a, such a flood of messages that I can't keep up and I can't find all of these. And I'm trying to think it off. Memory. We're trying, we're trying, we're trying. But but I know some people texted in and said, give management credit for the the bets they've made. They brought Kuzmenko in. Mm-hmm. He came in on a cheap contract. Look at him being a hit. They brought McKayev in. Look at the way he's played. Look at Philip Hronik and how good Philip Hronik has been on the back end. Sam Lafferty's been a great addition. We talk about Pew Suter and how good he's been. Ian Cole, Carson Soucy's playing a lot better. 
Casey DeSmith, a solid backup. I mean, I'm just going through the list here, and, and it's not like every single player has worked out. I mean, like Stud Nika's trying to find his way, but I mean... Riley Stillman, Riley Stillman last but, year. But they still were able to flip Stillman for an asset. Yeah. Now they have uh, Bloom, Josh Bloom, who's a decent prospect in the minors that maybe is something for this team down the road at some point. So they've still been able to get something for those guys, and you look at the guys you're making bets on. I mean, all the additions this offseason and going back to Hironic, they've all been hits, like massive mm-hmm. hits right now. At different levels, and you know, for... For all the talk of like, hey, look, they need more draft picks to hit. And it's, it's absolutely true. They absolutely do. Um, internally, uh, things that they have that are could be future ELCs, like, okay, what's Atu Ratu going to be? What yeah. is uh, Vasily Putkoles in? Like, he's kind of forgotten in all this. Like, that's a high-level pick that's marinating now at the AHL. Archdeep Baines leading the, the, the AHL in scoring. That's an ELC that you can find. Akito Hirose, right? Like, is he going to take a, a step over the next two years? And, and does he become kind of a cheap labor contract that you can fill in? Even just internally, there's four or five spots there. What else do they find over the, the, the course of the next year, 18 months? And it's not all going to fit into the roster right away. It could take time, but that's the thing. It's, the, the organization just hasn't had a backlog of guys that you can say, okay, is this player ready to take an, another step? And you can even see some of the succession plans you mentioned earlier. If Garland gets moved on, can Hoaglander do 80% of what Garland does? If that opens up a spot, okay, does Archie Baines come in for Nils Hoaglander? If they move on from a Joshua, does put Coles in? able to play with a little ferocity and it's not as if he doesn't have he's not joshua's size but but colson at his best can play with a lot of uh physicality yeah ratu can play that way as well so it you're starting to see if they continue their development and if they hit uh the succession plan opportunity and then there's the high end and a willander and a uh, the Karamaki, and if if they make a pick in the first round this year, is that person? Well, for, for me, those two guys, Will Andrew Le Karamaki, I'm looking at those guys a couple of years away. Mm-hmm. The thing, the question I have is, I actually feel like with the core they have, and if, especially if they end up extending Demko to or figure out goaltending, you feel like they're pretty good at identifying goaltending. That those guys are going to be the perfect additions to supplement in two years. But how do you get there? in two years how do you bridge that gap not only with some higher end talent and I actually don't mind the idea of that's why the Cole signing one year mm-hmm. getting guys like that for a year they give you high quality play you kind of patch it over to a year you stay competitive and you can still be a team that takes a massive step but then that big addition on a cheap is still a couple years away but if you get if you play your cards right and keep incrementally improving this team and next year and the year after you take some gradual steps and get even better now you can sustain that with your ELCs coming two or three years down the road. So it's imperative that they keep adding to the prospect pool, that they keep keep adding you know viable options down the road, because that's how you're going to be able to not only be a good team, but maintain being a good team. This is the conversation I've been kind of waiting to have here. To, to what level do you want to uh, be aggressive on making that addition? So for me, I don't think you can be too aggressive if you're adding a legitimate top four player under control to this team on the back end, like a righty defense. You, you don't a, think you can be too aggressive? No, I don't like if you can add another Philip Heronic type, I don't think you can be too aggressive. Right. Just go and do it. Yeah. And I mean, the cost of that is like a first and a second. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying go and trade a first and a second, but I wouldn't be against maybe trading one of those and a prospect outside of like the only two guys I'm not touching is like Karamaki and Willander. Mm hmm. Everything else I'll listen to, depending on what you can do to improve your team. But I'm not talking about a rental. I'm talking about somebody 
Hironic, 24-25, long-term fit. I wouldn't be afraid of doing those things. You know, Mike made the point of he's afraid of what management is going to do. My fear would be go go and trade assets, good assets for rentals for this year. That, to me, makes no sense. But if you're spending assets on a young player that can fit in here long-term, look at the LA Kings. That's a team that is looking really good right now, and their drafting has helped them, but it hasn't helped them with entry-level players so much. It's helped them with assets to go and acquire players. I don't care how you make your team great and sustainable. Just find a way to do it, and don't be afraid of making trades. So... I'm not saying go out and trade your first round pick for a rental, but I'm not against being aggressive and adding like a solid, good, legitimate top four player, legitimate needle moving forward that fits in the age range for the team. And you're talking about the current LA Kings. What about the former LA Kings that had success? It's not as if they sat there and said, you know what, we got to wait on Braden Shannon and Wayne Simmons. They went and got out uh, uh, Jeff Carter and a Mike Richards, mm-hmm. right? Like, I feel like we try to reinvent the wheel sometimes. A lot of teams have sat there and said, hey, we got a goalie, we got a D-man, we got a center. Studs. Studs. Not middle-of-the-road type of guys, like studs. Now it's like you really got to speed up because you know, I, both the, the best thing to happen and the worst thing to happen to this franchise was making that bubble playoffs because the, all the pandemic and all this sort of stuff, they, they chose to go backwards a little bit. But you can't tell players that have tasted the the fruit of the playoffs we're going to take back we're going to go backwards. You can't tell young players that. No. And I, once Elias Pettersson and Queen Hughes get to that stage, they want to be there every year. And and you you've got to try to reciprocate that sort of effort to say you guys deserve to be here, and we got to show you we, we're going to show you that we want to be here too. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, you have to show them. That you have a plan. And, and the mm-hmm. guy that you're trying to convince right now is Elias Pettersson. This text says, how come we're not talking about EP40's next contract now that the Canucks are on the verge, on the best start they've ever had? And it is still, it has been a topic of conversation on the shows. And what better time to talk to him? But I think the rare thing we get called out on is... Uh, yeah, contract. You, you guys don't talk about enough? Elias Pettersson's Pettersson contract. contract. I know. Uh, okay, so in terms of Pettersson and his buy-in, he certainly looks like a player who's bought in. And, and here is Pedersen postgame talking to Kate Pedersen, uh, who is a Canucks ringside reporter. And this is a guy who's starting to sound like the head coach. Have a listen. Elias, good teams find ways to win. What do you take from this one? Uh, yeah, the win. I don't think it's the best effort from us. Uh, I think my line, uh, especially me, I wasn't having my best night, but uh, turning too many pucks overs and just playing a little soft. But uh, happy way to win, find a way to win. What was the message heading into the third, knowing that you needed a big effort there to get it done? Uh, we just talked about wanting a good 20 minutes, uh, and that's I think we did. We um, defended well in the last one uh, or last period, and uh, yeah, happy with the win. That final goal on the power play, off the draw, the one-timer, is that something you drew up? Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it. Um, if Miller wins it clean like it did, then, then yeah, it was a uh, clean game, a good pass, so it's just try to shoot as hard as I could. Thanks, Elias. Thank you. That is Elias Pettersson postgame and uh, mentions, you know, a little soft at times. He can play a lot better, but he sounds like a player. Not, I mean, he looks like a player that's invested and bought in. He looks like a player who's excited, and he sounds like a player who's focused. So Kind of sounds like the coach. Yeah, man. And if you talk about a player who, does he think that he can win in Vancouver? I mean, it's a pretty good start to convince him. Players ultimately just look at Ws. They're not sitting there saying like, Hey, your shooting percentage is this, and the high danger save percentage is this. They're going to look at it and say, 50 wins? 
all right, this sounds like it's going in the right direction. And he's going to be pushed to a decision, obviously, this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get it right this year, it could uh, build up the platform for what you can do, do in future years as well. We'll keep the conversation going on Elias Patterson and how he plays tonight, and we'll hear from other Canucks players, plus Ian McIntyre. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Canucks win 5-2 over the Senators in the nation's capital. Thanks for those listening on the, on the network. We'll be back again next on Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Great service, great selection, great squad. The West Coast Auto Group, just over the bridge in Maple Ridge and at westcoastautogroup.com. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Miller trying to settle it behind the net, had it poked free by Chikrin, then Tarasenko clears it out to the red line. But Ian Cole at his own line feeds ahead for Giuseppe. Back in on the left wing, drops to Miller. Left circle, high shot, he scores! GT Miller rips it off the crossbar and in from the top of the left circle. And the Canucks have the lead back with 1.52 left in the second. It's 3-2. And Brady Kachuk can't bear to watch as JT Miller celebrates the goal with his Canucks teammates. JT Miller, big night from him. And the Vancouver Canucks with yet another victory. They're 10th on the season. They have now picked up points in nine straight games, 8-0-1 during that stretch. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, courtesy of Dunbar Lumber, 650-650. And... You know, we were talking about Elias Pettersson, and uh, we are going to hear from JT Miller coming up in just a moment. But when we talk about JT as well, um, we've talked about his shot being underrated. He has back-to-back years where he scored 32 goals now, so he's broken the 30-goal barrier. But I just turned to you a couple times today just saying, like, you know, JT's just so good. Like, there's just, like, so many things he does well, and he's so effective defensively now. He's good in the face-off circle. He can be put in every situation, and I still think there's more we can see from him, especially when some of that defensive burden gets lifted from him when Teddy Bluger comes back. And I know right now people are texting in and saying, hey, they don't need to rush Bluger in. Don't mess with the winning lineup. And and fair enough. Like, you don't have to rush him in. You can take your time with him coming Mm -hmm. back. But I think he's a sizable addition that when he comes in and once he gets settled in, I think people will start laughing about, oh, we wanted to wait to put this guy in the lineup. Like, he, I think he's a, you know how good Pew Suter has been? I, okay, yep, yep, yep. I think he's a better defensive two-way four-checking force than, than Suter is. Suter might have a better shot, a bit more offensive inclination. But if you're talking about smart defensive four-checking impact, like Teddy Bluger is slightly a notch, notch above that. I was going to say, he's going to be the Ian Cole version of the forwards. Mm. Someone yeah. that steps in and a specialist. Yeah. What he does well, he does really well. It may not be overall effectiveness. He, he might do the four goals thing, to be honest. That's in the cards. Mm-hmm. But if he's good at what they want him to be good at, the impact to me is profound. Yes. The yeah. impact to me is felt on other lines. You know how we talked about when Mikheyev came back and it, it settled the roster a little bit? Mm-hmm. I think t- in terms of deployment, this is the move that really settles their top six. And if we're looking at how can this team get better on the PK, well, the forward they, they signed first and foremost to help, to help the PK was Teddy Bluger. Mm-hmm. The Canucks PK again tonight was good. I mean, they killed both the penalties they had uh, against the... Um, 
uh, those Ottawa Senators, and now they're moving closer to 80% on the season. They're kind of, what, 18th, 17th in the league on, in their PK, which is, hey, far better than where, where it was last year. But can they actually push that PK to be like a top 12, top 10 unit? With Teddy Bluger, it gives you a chance to mm-hmm. get there. And this is... So even if the Canucks, let's say, and this is ridiculous to say, the Canucks lead the league in goals, Bick. In the entire National Hockey League. And we're sitting here and talking about, they can probably generate a bit more offense and chances. It's like, at some point, we've got to shut up and just say, just look at the goals, right? But I think we look at it and say, maybe, maybe that's the part where they're having a lot of things go their way. But the power play is really good. And even though they're shooting a high percentage, their power play has always been talented and good. And that's always going to be top five, I think, as long as they stay focused. Their goaltending is great, and they're playing good defense. And even by the by, clear size analytics, the f- top five in the league in allowing high danger chances. They're really good in, in protecting the front of the net and not giving up really big high danger scoring chances. So those are the things you're good at. You have start level players who can finish, and if your PK is legitimately good, well now you're you're essentially a, like excellent in three out of four critical areas. That gives you a really good chance to be a hard team to beat for the entire season. You know, even if, if regression hits, so to speak, that's your foundation of still being able to win 2-1, 3-2 hockey games. Uh, and just kind of re-illustrate the, the Bluger point. One thing that's really evident right now, um, JT Miller, at his peak in Vancouver, uh, was doing 71% offensive zone starts. Yeah. This year... Again, it slowly dipped every year. It started at 71, lotto line, went to 60, went to 55, went to 51. It's at 49% right now. He has, he has, he leads the team in defensive zone faceoffs. Oh, yeah. And it's like a huge gap between first and second. Yeah. In defensive zone starts, he's amongst the leaders in the team. And that's a huge burden on him. And I think once some of that gets lifted with Teddy Bluger, I think it's going to help allow them to sustain their winning, to get better with their overall team game. And listen, you can't assume health all year. Things are going to happen. Things can happen. But in terms of what what the Canucks look like at their best, I think there's another layer. Even if they don't win as many points, I think they can be more effective in how they play as a team once Bluger comes back. J.D. Miller right now is not even just winning his matchups to a draw. He's being not set up for success because it's less than 50%. Offensive zone starts, right? He's not being set up to fail. It just it's, it's not as optimal. How about that? Yes. Bluger comes back. He's going to take away some of that burden. So now JT Miller's going to be set up for success, and he's already winning his matchups. That's what's really impressive here. That's what I'm saying. He's, there's there's the, another level potentially. That, that line is crushing it right now. And even on top of that, he's doing it with Phil DiGiuseppe and Brock Besser. Not exactly like household names for wingers. It's amazing what he's done. And Besser's been red hot. He's showing his, he's you know, his game phenomenal, a lot better. Right? Yeah. And like, those guys deserve credit, and we've given them credit. But if you craft it out, like you got the whole talent pool of the NHL, you're not sitting here and saying, you know what, Phil DiGiuseppe and Brock Besser. It's on the to-do list to find someone better than Phil DiGiuseppe, more qualified. But until that point, he's doing absolutely his job. But if you can get a souped-up version at some point next year, two years from now, whatever, at some point, that's what you want. If you look at the profile of players, though, they get Mikheyev. Uh, I, a guy they liked a lot but never made it to free agency was Ivan Barbashev. Mm-hmm. Barbashev is like a souped-up version of PDG. does mm-hmm. everything PDG does, but he's stronger, faster, a little bit bigger, better goal scorer, higher-level type of player. Can you find a guy like that at some point? You know that, that's, that takes you to that next level as a team. But we mentioned JT Miller, and he did meet with the media post game. Here is JT talking about that 5-2 win in Ottawa against the Sens. 
They're just finding a way to win right now. I, you know, I, I think we all could agree that wasn't our best tonight. Um, came out with a pretty decent start and then kind of didn't like the way we're going into the second. And then, uh, I don't know, just kind of sloppy all over the place. They, they were, they're a desperate team, but they played pretty well tonight. Uh, you know, honestly, we just found a way to capitalize on some of our opportunities and power play came up with a big one to kind of seal it. But, uh, you know, Case played great, gave us a chance to win, and we know we need to be a heck of a lot better against Toronto. You talk about needing to be even-keeled. Is this the kind of performance that gives you a little bit of a check and kind of fires you up to continue to clean things up yeah. and get better? Yeah, for sure. And listen, it's an 82-game season. They're not You're not going to play, you know, every single game how you want and win how you want. You're going to have to win some ugly ones. And... Uh, I think it's important we don't uh, get too frustrated by not playing exactly how we want to play, but at the same time, learn from the bad and look at the good. And day by day, we keep saying that, but I think this is a great example of how we need to learn from it tomorrow and then uh, get ready for the game against strong. You mentioned the play of Casey and both your goaltenders this season. What does it do for your confidence knowing you have two great guys behind you? Yeah, they're playing awesome. You know, they give us a chance to win every game. You know, they make us look good sometimes. And, um, you know, it's, it really is a team game, and, uh, you know, they've been outstanding for us. When you have some of that early season success, that you can be a, play a more patient game, whereas the Sens, who have struggled of late, seem to really co- almost kind of struggle as soon as there's any kind of adversity. Yeah, I, I just think when you get off to you know, you know, such a you know a bad start that we did the last couple of years, you feel like you got to play catch up, and you start doing out of character things, and you start forming bad habits. And uh, it's definitely nice to come out and have a the record we do. I think we can take a deep breath and not feel like we need to. W- hit a home run on every play to win every game. So uh, it's nice. It's definitely been team effort so far. Is that a game that, you know, you guys find a way to win that maybe for the first 40 weren't at your best? Yeah, that's what I was just saying is uh, they're not all, you know, Picasso's, and this was not won by any means. But, uh, um, you know, our goalies are giving us a chance to win every single night. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of the things you got to learn from. You know, we know what our identity and standard is as a team. We're trying to form that. And over the last 10 or 12 games, we've kind of learned about what that should be. And we know that it's got to be better than tonight. You know, they outworked us for a little bit there. And um, we're going to learn from the bad and, you know, watch the good too. But at the same time, we know we've got to be better going into the next couple games. That is JT Miller saying they know they have to be better. And we said how Elias Pettersson sounds like the head coach. JT Miller sounds like the head coach. And, you know, we sometimes joke about the team taking on the persona of Rick Tockett. But they certainly are in many ways, aren't they? That's like, you know, we always think about accountability of saying, hey, like, you got to be better. you got to be better. You know, that that's a, a look in the mirror, too, of you know, b- being accountable to yourself mm-hmm. also. And and so for the team to uh, be focused on that, hey, the, the Toronto game. And I do wonder if the Toronto game is like a look-ahead spot. We know it's a marquee game, Hockey Night in Canada. It's it's a huge moment for a lot of players to play in these games. Uh, it, it was tonight a bit of a look-ahead game. Uh, but, look, it's... That's what we want to hear. They won by three, Sat. And to a man, they're talking about uh, trying to play better. Yeah. And I think they can, and they should be able to. And when that's something that you can do, then why not reach for it? And they are becoming a more business-like team in terms of how they're playing and how they look. I mean, they're becoming that team that if they get a lead on you in the third period, like you're going to have a hard time getting back into it. And that's a really hard team to play against. And there's still more they can do, but it's been very encouraging in, in terms of the identity they're building. This one says, you mentioned Barbashev. I think a perfect future fit could be Arshdeep Baines. I think they're building him up for that. Relentless forecheck, but good offensive instincts and in passing and forechecking. Listen, I, I wish the best for Arshdeep Baines, and I hope that he can become a star. Let's just 
let's just get them to the NHL first. Let have some let them have some success first, and we'll see ultimately how that lands and, and how that goes. I'm not earmarking a second line role for him. No, <laughs> no, no. It's not that he can't make it, but yeah, just, it's just that like your jump from the AHL is not going to be straight to the second line. No, it's going to take some time, and we'll see how that goes. But a great start for him in the mm-hmm. AHL. But the Canucks even hotter, ten two and one on the campaign. And to make sense of it all, we have the man who was at the scene in Ottawa to watch the Vancouver Canucks defeat the Ottawa Senators 5-2, and he is the man we call the triple threat. You watch him on TV, you read him on digital, and you hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. None of it makes sense, guys. But then all of it makes sense, <laughs> even if I'm not making sense. This this kind of game tonight would have been, at least the result, would have been unimaginable. Uh, I think, well, certainly a year ago, um, when the Canucks were about to burst into a fireball uh, during this trip uh, at the same time to the same places, um, and maybe even until this first month of the season, they wouldn't have been able to have the kind of confidence in their in their system and uh, the composure that they displayed to win a game like they did tonight, where you know they end up scoring three times in the last 22 minutes. They win going away uh, a game that you know I'd say at minimum the score could have would have been reversed last year. And probably it would have been worse because what what we saw so often when the Canucks were under pressure last year is that um, there there wasn't a structure there. There wasn't a systemic play to withstand that pressure. So it became all about individuals and guys trying to do this and trying to do that. And they would start taking penalties. They would start um, giving away the puck. And all of a sudden, it's grade A chance after grade A chance for the opposition Tonight, for all the territorial dominance that the Senators had out shooting Vancouver 30 to 16, you know, the high danger chances were noticeably in the Canucks' favor. And they really didn't offer the Senators uh, a whole lot of, of scoring opportunities. They gave them zone time, but the Canucks kept them to the outside. Uh, there weren't a lot of second chances. Vancouver took only two penalties in the game, so it's not like they were they were running around and and uh, getting impatient with with not having the puck as much as they wanted to. So, in a lot of ways, you know, it, it's it's positive that uh, that they showed what they showed tonight. But as um, as they all acknowledge post game, and this was another positive thing, their level of accountability. Uh, everyone acknowledged post game they they need to be better and as uh, as Ian Cole told me this was not up to their standard and what a standard it has become all of a sudden. Uh, actually, just really quickly, in uh, as far as the puck tracking data uh, that we have access to here, I, I would say there was 25 minutes and a half in minutes uh, in the Canucks offensive zone and only 23 minutes in their own defensive zone. So, you know, territorially, they did mm. have the overall possession edge, if not the shot metrics edge. But nevertheless, uh, you know, it, it's, it's they obviously have to be better, too. But it, it does look simplified for them to win in the defensive zone. I, I'm just curious, like, what you notice of, of how they, they just look sounder and, and more confident in their own zone. Well, they're, they're, first of all, they're, they're so much more connected, which is a word that they use, but I think it's, a, I think it's a good descriptor. You know, the five guys on the ice are so much more, uh, cohesive and in contact with one another. And 
it looks like they're trying to play a system. It doesn't look like five guys individually trying to defend. But I think the biggest change, uh, at least the biggest that I've noticed, uh, is, and we all know that the NHL is a copycat league, so it depends on who wins the Stanley Cup, what other teams are going to try and do. But Vegas last year, and I believe Tampa did it as well when they were winning cups, but Vegas last year, they basically anchored their defensemen uh, to the goal area. If a puck went into the corner, most times than not, the defenseman didn't chase their man into it. They, they stayed towards the net. The center who helped uh, defenseman down low did a lot of chasing, and everybody kind of collapsed. But, and keep in mind, Vegas has you know one of the biggest defenses in the NHL. But they, they stayed where they were and basically blocked out. So they, they blocked a, a larger perimeter than merely right in front of the goal crease. You know, it extended from, from one side of the slot to the other. And I think the Canucks have uh, adopted a lot of that in their play. If you watch their defensemen now, they're not chasing all, all over the zone. Yeah, there's times, of course, where they'll go into a corner and try and and win a puck or there's times that they'll be more aggressive because they have a chance to to get their stick in and and disrupt the play and and maybe turn the puck the other way but for the most part they're they're much more predictable and sound and conservative in in where they're positioning themselves and they are doing a terrific job of blocking out like they're not you, you, you can't work guys over in the slot like you once did in the NHL. You know, you're not allowed to cross-check with or slash with impunity anymore. But if you have good good body position, you can still move and keep your body in front of the opposing forward and make it a lot easier for your goalie to see the puck and make it a lot harder for the other team to get inside and get those you know, chances from from five to fifteen feet, where most goals come from. I, I think they're just playing uh, a lot better defensively in their own zone, and especially the defensemen, but the whole team. You know, let's let's wade into the unquantifiable a little bit. Ian, Here we go, because like you've also been able to, you know, you've you've had no. A- well, first of all, let me stop you, Seth. <laughs> Are you suggesting there are elements to sports that are unquantifiable? Uh, Can we not just look on a spreadsheet, Vic? You want to weigh in on this? No, no, no. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. right. Uh, So so going into that, and listen, you've you've seen stages of teams in Vancouver in the past. You've seen the good teams in the 90s, how they came together. You saw the West Coast Express, how they came together. You saw the Sedins. You've seen different eras of teams and when they realize what they are and and they kind of have a coming to age moment are we somewhat seeing that now with this group uh well i hope that we are i think it's just too early like it's it's incredibly novel what we're seeing because we haven't seen this in such a long time i mean not only is is the team winning more than than not but it's actually bossing opponents around Mm. it's almost it's getting close to the Saturday Night Live De Bears, <laughs> if anyone remembers them, the <laughs> Bears. Bears got, yeah. I'd say 114 to seven, <laughs> you know, and the Canucks aren't going to beat anybody like the Bears, but it, it, it's almost like they're now just kind of 
when they need to, they exert their will on a game. When they need a goal, they find a way to get a goal. When they need a stop, like to to just shut the other team down, uh, we saw tonight in the third period they were able to do that. Um, so it, it's not just that we're seeing a team that's winning that that we're accustomed to seeing losing. We're seeing a team that's been pretty dominant at times. And all you have to do is look at look at you know goal differential. And I know things are inflated. I, I understand PDO and shooting percentage, and everything will regress. I, I get all that. But this team has been not just successful, but far more dominant than anybody anybody thought it would be. And yet we're still only 13 games in that leaves 69. So I'm, I'm not ready to make, you know, any sweeping pronouncements about what this team is going to be by the end of this season, but they've gotten really good, much faster than anybody thought that they would. And they're, They've done things already that we didn't think that they would do, and that means that they have they have raised the ceiling on what is what is possible. And if they've surprised us to this point, who says they won't surprise us even more sometime over these next sixty nine games? But it is it has been an incredible start, whichever way you look at it. They might go hand in hand uh, when we talk about you know things that will regress. I'm more concerned about like effort levels and 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 defensive uh, awareness regressing, and and they'll go hand in hand. But again, that's why I asked you about you know why it's looking so effective because it just it looks simplified. But just looking like the effort level of guys like Kuzmenko tonight, you know, causing turnovers, PDG just playing smart, effective hockey. That's the sort of stuff I look at, and is, if that continues, I worry less about what the the long term regression stuff looks like. Yeah. Well, first of all, effort, you know, for any team, it, it, it's going to waver at times. Mm-hmm. Like nobody, nobody is is totally uh, plugged in and, and at maximum RPMs for for eighty two games. It's just it's just impossible. But I think what has been so impressive about the Canucks and, and you know tonight we, we've we've talked and I'm sure you guys have spent the last two hours talking about you know winning a game where you're not at, when they weren't at their best but to me what's so impressive about it is they have universal buy-in as to how the team needs to play like essentially their top players other than Quinn Hughes because nobody plays like Quinn Hughes <laughs> Nobody on no. earth plays like Quinn. Well, Kale McCarr. There's two guys on earth who mm-hmm. can play that way. But for the most part, the top players are are playing with the same values and the same effort that the bottom of the lineup players are. The guys who are just trying everything they can to stay in the lineup. The players at the top of the lineup are playing the same way and with the same effort. And when when you have that kind of buy-in it creates an awful lot of of peer pressure and you know culture which we're all sick of talking about because we've been talking about it literally for years and and certainly since the Sedins retired um they have they're quickly building that culture and these expectations and as as Ian Cole said the standard a standard that didn't even exist a month ago but now it's pretty it's pretty entrenched what they expect of themselves 
And so I think, Bick, when you have all of that, you're going to, yeah, you're going to have games where you don't execute as well as you'd like or, or you're tired or you don't skate as well. And certainly tonight, and especially in the first half of the game, the Canucks weren't skating. But when you have that kind of culture, you're going, it sort of guarantees a baseline of effort and those expectations from the top of your lineup, pull everybody, pull everybody up. I I don't, I mean, they're going to have cold periods uh, this season. And again, I'm not making any predictions about whether they're going to end up being a hundred point team or a playoff team or whatever. Although I think we'd all be disappointed at this stage if they're not a playoff team, given, given how they've started. But I, I will say, I think, I think the floor has been so elevated mm-hmm. for this organization in this last month that we're when they go off the boil and when they do struggle, we're not going to see anything remotely like what we saw the last few seasons. I, I think they've already kind of found a way to get past that, and we're not going to see that again with this group. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the maturity that you're seeing. And, and you're right. I mean, there's always the ups and downs of a long season, and we'll see how they handle and go through those. But I'd, I'd also wanted to spend time on a couple of guys. We, sp- we spoke so much about Patterson, about Patterson and Quinn Hughes and JT yet again tonight. What a snipe uh, for his goal. 83-mile-an-hour wrist shot, bar down. I mean, there's so many guys we can throw accolades towards, but I'm just continually impressed with what we see from Ilya Mikheyev. And I know we had conversations last year. It used to, it used to blow my mind last year when people referred to Mikheyev as a, as a luxury signing because his team has wingers. And I'm like, how's a guy who can do everything Everything and is, and is involved in every area of the game effectively at luxury pieces. He's, he's literally a guy who helps you win hockey games, and yeah, he's on a run as well. But I look at the, at that guy now and say, how can anybody doubt why you would sign a player like Ilya Mikheyev? You need more guys like him, not less. Well, and, and we're seeing, you know, how how well he plays when he's healthy. Because remember, he was not healthy for a single game mm-hmm. last year. He played whatever he played. It was while his ACL was torn. So we're seeing uh, a healthy McKayev. I still don't think we're seeing the best McKayev because his skating may take a full year to fully recover, yeah. but we're certainly seeing him skate uh, much better than he had. And, and we see, you're right. We see how valuable he is in, in everything he does. And, and uh, I find it interesting that talk has referenced a couple of times that he thinks the, the uptick in Kuzmenko's game is due to McKayev. Uh, because Mikheyev sets an example every shift on, on how hard you have to work and how, how you need to play in this league. And because Mikheyev's still trying to learn that. But then you think about, you know, last year, the team is so much better this year. Think about last year, how had he been healthy, you know, how much Mikheyev would have, would have stood out. So, you know, luxury signing or or premature because they weren't uh, they weren't in their evolutionary arc where they needed to go out and get a guy like that. You know, I I, I don't buy that. That what they needed was everything that he brings, and whether they needed that last year or this year or next year, the fact is they didn't have those enough of those qualities, and so they went out and got a guy that checked a lot of boxes, and we're seeing we're seeing now even when the team is so much better around him, he still has a very valuable role. He's not, he's not any less important now because the team is much better around him, 
which tells you something about his ability to make an impact in all areas. Uh, it was a conversation we had earlier. Curious to get your perspective, but uh, Bluger skated today, and at some point is going to make a return. Whether it's uh, influenced by results and they finally pick up a loss, but at some point he's going to go into the lineup. And a lot of players are playing really well right now. It's a good problem to solve. Uh, in your mind, who's the person that comes out? Well, I think right now, if it were me and I needed to get him in, I would take Anthony Bovillier out. And I think I think. Bovillier uh, has actually been much better. Let's say the last eight games or so mm-hmm. than he was the first. Than he was the first five. He's much more engaged. He's he's skating like we remember him skating on Long Island, and he gets a lot of pucks. But you know, there's. I, I just don't think you can take Mills uh, Hoaglander out right now the way he's playing. And Dakota Joshua would be another candidate. Sam Lafferty. Uh, possibly be a candidate, but he's been so valuable to them because, you know, he can play center or wing and has been consistently one of the best players in the bottom six. So it is a nice problem to have. These problems tend to sort themselves out. You know, somebody gets hurt or, uh, as we saw last week, you know, D- Dakota Joshua plays himself out of the lineup. But after after a game like tonight, if it's me, I'm probably just going to make sure that Betty Blue gets another game off to work on his skating and conditioning and give him a little more time because uh, I, I, I don't think that anybody deserves, with air quotes, to come out of the lineup right now. No, certainly not. And uh, honestly, Ian, uh, I can't wait for our next chat on the weekend from Toronto because I'm really hyped up for this Canucks-Toronto Maple Leafs game Mm. and then the game in Montreal on Sunday as well. Hopefully this team keeps the good vibes going and we have a lot more fun things to talk about. And and you enjoy the nation's capital. Try to enjoy Toronto as well. I will. I I would enjoy more than four hours sleep tonight (laughs) before I get on the plane tomorrow morning. But uh, it is interesting just, just how profoundly different Everything is, you know, the vibe around the team, the results, the personnel, the coach, the just everything about this organization so different than when we were here in these same cities at the same time one year ago. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, hope your Toronto hotel has cool art in it as well. <laughs> that was in my hotel. You think I can afford to stay at the Chateau Laurier? Oh, I, I, I thought maybe you... is made of money. <laughs> well, I mean, they might be made of made of money, but <laughs> uh, once upon a time, uh, we did we did stay there. Here's how how much things have changed uh, in the NHL. And Mike Keenan was was one of the great transformers of luxury travel for the Canucks. And then Mike Gillis came in and took it to a whole other level. But when I started, and I'm not exaggerating, often I would not stay where the team was staying because I would want to be somewhere better. Ooh, ooh, wow. <laughs> now, there you go. Now, it's, now it's completely different. They're just in a different stratosphere. But the Chateau Laurier is a great old uh, CP hotel, and we once did stay there. And I knew that they had lots of Yosef Karsh portraits. Wow, I know the audience now is just Now you're just flexing. Now you're just flexing. Yosef yeah. Karsh yeah. talk, but... Yeah. Ian's just flexing his uh, art history uh, knowledge. Well, you know, you know, I'm a photographer. Yes, so. uh, yes, I'm saying very artistic. Very almost artistic. became a almost became a photojournalist instead of a sports writer. Well, then you would know have... a lot of people are are whispering to.
themselves. Oh, I wish he was. You would have instead. deprived us of a lot of late night content if that was the case. So we're happy you didn't. <laughs> uh, somebody said to me, I know you guys got to go and I'm just prolonging the call, but <laughs> Phil uh, DiGiuseppe, it was a real quick um, post game avail, which I love. Like uh, lots of <laughs> several guys there all at once. In and out. You get in, you get out. I can start writing. And I asked for, I always ask for a couple of guys who aren't. Uh, on in front of the cameras because I actually like some things that other people don't have in right. my stories. So I asked for for uh, Phil DiGiuseppe. He came out. He's always accommodating. And uh, I asked him one question, and he gave me a decent answer. I said, "That's great." He says, "That's it." And as he's walking away, he says, "That's quality content right there." <laughs> Uh, he's a beauty. He really is. He is a beauty. He, he is. is a beauty. Well, and so he, are you guys. Uh, uh, thank you, Ian. Appreciate the kind words. I look forward to reading your See, latest. we're glad you weren't a photojournalist See, for yeah. compliments like that. Exactly. <laughs> You're up our confidence. You're great for my confidence. Uh, Ian, uh, always appreciate it, man. And we look forward to reading your latest on sportsnet.ca. Get Toronto safely, and we'll chat with you on Saturday. I'll look forward to that. See you guys. You got it. That's Ian McIntyre, the best. Great insight as always. Uh, Okay, people are texting this in a lot, and maybe they're flexing. So if you're listening to this on the podcast at the very end of the show, you might be like, okay, well, the result wasn't what it looked like after the first period. But people are texting us in and saying, can you guys please give a quick shout-out? The Sharks are being up 1-0 on the Oilers. It's through 20 minutes. Scott's texted it in. A number of other people have texted I didn't even notice in the inbox. A lot. Like, wow, 1-0 San Jose. Like, a lot of texts. So, you know. If you're listening live right now, the... uh Five alarm fire continues to raise. Hey, it's also ringing in Abbotsford too. Yeah, four one Abbotsford Canucks over yeah. Jack Campbell in the Bakersfield Condors. Yeah. And I've been tagged in some of these. Uh, Brayson tagged me uh, yep. in uh, Cam Robinson's tweet. Oof, rough one, rough one for Jack Campbell here tonight in Abbey. Not going great. Oh well, it's somebody else's problem to solve. We're on the Condors post game hey, show. You know, at least he's making five million per year. All right, all right, great. No escrow so, in the NHL. Yeah, no, too. exactly. Hey, making more money yeah. could be could be worse things in life than being an NHL goalie making five million luxury tax. Well, what is it? Escrow free mm-hmm. in the AHL. All right. Uh, thanks everybody listening and participating. Appreciate every single one of you. Uh, thanks so much as always. Can't wait to get back at it again on Saturday for the post game show. But. Back again tomorrow for Connect Central. The Mailbag and Yannick Hansen, as always, myself and Dan Riccio and Bick, the People Show. Uh, Fridays, uh, Brett Festling Fridays. We call it BFF. Uh, so oh. we'll, we'll chat about the win tonight and uh, preview Toronto tomorrow. And Bick Six. And also uh, Lou Gazich as well. And some, and some selections too? Yeah, Bick Six as well tomorrow. Uh, I look forward to Which that. Which had a four and two week, finally. Woo, woo. Winning week. First there we go. Week in a while. You're coming into form. You're coming into form. <laughs> I like it. All right. And special thanks to Fast Eddie Gregory. And if you're listening live, coming up next, SN Tonight with Josh Elliott Wolf and Fast Eddie Gregory on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.